Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into another week of Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy. And today on the program, I've got Tom Peavy and Brant Daughtry with me. A lot to talk to you about on this rainy Monday afternoon. We'll start off here in just a couple moments talking about Auburn basketball's roster as uh, Wendell Green Jr. made a decision to go pro this past weekend. We will update you on what Auburn basketball's roster is looking like, the other decisions yet to be made, as well as some of the players that could be filling those open scholarship spots, of which there are now a few different scholarship spots. We're also going to preview the national title game tonight in men's college basketball. We saw the Final Four this weekend, so we'll recap that. Also, the Final Four in women's college basketball, as well as the national championship yesterday went on. We'll have some words on that. Opening weekend of Major League Baseball was this past weekend. We'll kind of update you what these rule changes are doing so far for the game in a, in a short sample size. And also, this is the final week of spring practice as the Auburn A-Day game gets set for this Saturday inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium at 1 o'clock. Hugh Freeze will meet with the media at 3.30 today. We will have some of his quotes and reaction from that news conference as he uh, gets set to prepare the Tigers for the first spring game under his leadership. And, of course, best and worst of the weekend at the end of the show. Kevin Ives will join us at 4 o'clock as he will talk about this past weekend in Auburn baseball. Although they gave up a lot of runs, they did get their one victory in Gainesville. So we'll talk about that. And we'll look forward to the Auburn-Texas A&M series this Thursday Friday and Saturday, of course, birthdays and sports and nightly TV guide as well. So a lot to do here on this Monday edition of Sports Call. Again, Ryan, Tom, and Brant with you here today. Tom, we'll start with you. Hope you had a good weekend, sir. And a partridge in a pear tree. It's <laughs> a lot, man. <laughs> yeah, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of exciting stuff uh, over the weekend. Uh, you pretty much just recapped everything that went on. A lot of good, a lot of bad. Uh, some controversy, some good games, some bad games. Some wins, some losses, a little bit of everything going on, and uh, it's it's that type. It's it's that time of year where there's just a lot to talk about, uh, whether it be Auburn sports, whether it just be sports in general across the nation. Just uh, you, you got a lot of the overlap right now with basketball, baseball going on, softball still going on, and uh, NASCAR, PGA, uh, you name it, it's out there, and uh, yeah. A lot of stuff to get into. It is, but it was a good weekend. Good weekend for me. Good. I, I mean, I could definitely, uh, I, I could definitely tell you all about the NASCAR race yesterday. Watched every single lap. Oh, I didn't uh, watch a single lap. That, well, there you go. Well, uh, we evened out. Um, but uh, I could tell, talk to you a lot about that. But obviously, a lot going on. Also, uh, Auburn softball winning a series against Ole Miss. So uh, a lot still going on with Auburn's campus. 
Uh, Brant, how are you doing today, sir? Did you have a good weekend? I did have a good weekend. I, uh, I stayed home for most of it and just kind of hung out. And uh, first time I've had a weekend to do that in a little while. So uh, that was a lot of fun to do. And uh, just to, to to take some time and, and watch a ton of sports. I mean, like like Tom touched on, there was a little bit of everything uh, Auburn-related and not Auburn-related. Uh, obviously, you had the, the Final Four going on uh, in both men's and women's basketball. And what, what a final we saw. Uh, last night in the women's game, uh, just an incredible performance from LSU all around, and uh, and and congratulations to them, the first national championship uh, in women's basketball. So uh, a great performance for LSU, and yeah, not not the best of series for Auburn against Florida, um, and we've touched on the reasons why that is, and we'll touch on that more with Kevin Ives in about an hour. But yeah, a, a lot going on as spring practice winds down. There's a whole lot going on uh, in Auburn and in the world of sports, and we're going to touch on a little bit of all of it today. Of course, I think the most pertinent thing to Auburn took place yesterday, and so we'll start with that, and that is Auburn basketball. Making a lot of news this time of year. Uh, there's a lot of decisions to be made. This age of college basketball just mandates that everyone – make their intentions clear, whether they're coming back or not. There's always a decision to be made that did not used to be the case. And so we're starting to get more of these decisions from the key players. There's still a line of them to go. But on Sunday, Wendell Green Jr. announced that he's not transferring. He's not coming back. He is going pro uh, and trying to pursue a professional career. Let's start with you guys with just initial reaction to that and the decision. Do you find it to be a, a good one for him and a good one for Auburn? Uh, so I've kind of got a mixed bag with this. I I was surprised. I, I really didn't think that uh, he would I, – I didn't think he would make the announcement to go pro. I thought if anything happened, he may transfer, right, if, if that was even something that he was going to do. So the, the thought of going pro – kind of took me by surprise there uh it, it also again what we talked about last week it really makes me wonder uh what bruce pearl is saying to some of the guys when discussions are coming up on their futures and their plans within the program and things like that um i i think bruce pearl is looking at a, at a complete overhaul of, of that roster now i don't know that it, that wendell green was necessarily part of an overhaul but if Wendell is saying I'm looking at possibly going pro, I don't know that they would have just really gone out of their way to try to get him to stay. Because you've got you've got a top point guard coming in that you think is probably going to be your starter, and you've got more guys coming in right after that. And, and let's just face it, Wendell Green, for all the good that he did, there was a lot of bad. I, I mean, he was not a good shooter. Uh, overall, he had some glimmers that were great, but a lot of a lot of his shooting was was just really poor. Um, and, and so, I, I wish him the best. Uh, I mean, he is to me, he is not right now. He is not NBA caliber. I mean, he's going to have to do the G League probably for a while. Uh, but if that's what he wants to do, and that's what he wants to do. And, and like I said, I think Bruce and and that staff are really looking at, at a complete overhaul of of that roster and what we're going to see going forward. Yeah, for Wendell, um, I, I don't know if he's an NBA player. I don't think he's ever going to be an NBA player. I think his size has a lot to do with that. Um, and, he, and like Tom touched on, he's not an, an exceptional shooter to overcome that lack of height. Um, but he's he's a good player. He was, sure. a, he was a good college player, and I, I wish him the best. I mean, he's 
like you touched on, you got Aiden Holloway coming in, uh, and you already have Trey Donaldson on the roster who showed a, a couple of glimpses of, of brilliance this year, uh, who you figure to be pretty good going forward. So it might have been just time for, you know, Wendell's been playing college basketball for a while now. He may just want to move on and get his basketball career started, whether that's in the G League or somewhere overseas or, or wherever he ends up. Um, I, I, you know, it, I, I think it's interesting, kind of the rumors that have come out about all this. I think this is just some simple roster turnover. You're out with the old and with the new. I don't think this is Bruce forcing anybody out, but this is Bruce saying, hey, I've got two point guards that have a higher ceiling than you do um, moving forward. So I, I don't think Wendell is a problem, which is something that I've seen a lot of people throw out since his announcement, which is just dumb. There's a lot of, for lack of a better way to put it, there's a lot of character assassination going on with Wendell Green Jr. amongst the Auburn fan base, which always happens when a player leaves early, but whatever. Um I think that he's – I don't know if he's going to ever make the NBA. I doubt it. But I think he's a perfectly fine player who can make who can carve out a career in some professional league. Um, and so I wish him the best, and I look forward to what comes next at the point guard spot for Auburn. As it pertains to Wendell, I would say uh, – and we talked a good bit about this before the show today, but uh, for, for all the listener audience, I have a long way of kind of processing this because – I think that you have to examine every layer of, of how this decision uh, works out. I think for Wendell Green Jr. personally, look, you've, you've got three real options. You can return to Auburn, you can hit the portal, or you can go pro. Uh, clearly, Wendell Green Jr., with his size and with his, uh, his, his traits and uh, his skill level, is not an NBA player. Uh, he is 5'10". Uh, he is not a very good three-point shooter. He's 29% in his time at Auburn. And his athleticism is okay, but he does not jump out of the gym. He does not. He's not a burner. He's, he's agile, quick, but he's not um, one of the fastest guys out there. He's an average athleticism guy in a, in a smaller body. That, that does not translate to the NBA. Now, he might be able to make it the G League and have a decent G League career, or he might – opt to go play in a different country and be a good player in another country, but but he does not have NBA prospects. No. Uh, and and that shouldn't be a shock to anyone. You know, if you were asking yourself, does he compare favorably to the likes of Jared Harper or Sharif Cooper, the answer would be no. Mm-hmm. And those guys are primarily G League guys. Right. And they're now they're good G League guys. They they do very good things for their respective teams in the G League. But he wouldn't compare favorably in any any of those areas. No, not at all. So then you look at it from, okay, well, he could have come back to Auburn or he could have gone to the portal. Now, the thing with the portal is he already hit it once, and if you are trying to better your professional standpoint, which clearly he is because that's, op- that's the option he went. He he had the dreams of and wants to be a pro. Okay, He, does, he didn't want his college experience to end and then just go to you know some – little TV job or some other just normal human job. He wants to be a professional basketball player. So if you're looking at it from that standpoint, if he goes somewhere else, he's going to have to find the right mix of a situation where he can play a lot, but also be in a relevant situation. In other words, he can't just go to a mid-major school, dominate it, and feel like he's going to 
improve his draft position. You were already at Auburn and a good player, and that did not make you into a pro. Going down and dominating it somewhere where like New Mexico or in Conference USA or something is not going to do that for him. And so the transfer portal did not make much sense from that standpoint because you're just starting over and you're going into a uh, maybe an unsettled situation. Maybe you don't end up even being the star guy there. Maybe you don't end up being uh, one of the most important players there. Then that's not going to help your case either. So last option is, okay, could he go back to Auburn and improve his situation? And my answer to that is I don't believe so because I just think he's at his ceiling as a college basketball player. Now, it was a very respectable ceiling. He was – Second team All-SEC, and I know that the SEC teams get kind of convoluted because there's like seven or eight people on each team. So if you're picking five, he maybe comes out 12th or 13th, and maybe that's actually third team, so on and so forth. But whatever. He made second team All-SEC, and so you know he was a productive college player, but he had his limitations. And so I don't think those limitations would change because of the things that we've talked about with his size and, and that sort of thing. And so going back to Auburn for another year, I don't think that he would all of a sudden start hitting 40% from three. He wouldn't all of a sudden be jumping faster or be an excellent defender and and that sort of thing. And then there's also the subplot of, and and this is where Auburn's point of view is going to start to come in, is there's Aiden Holloway coming in, who the minute he gets good, people are going to be falling in love with. And then there's Trey Donaldson, who clearly deserves a more – extended look right. after what he did in the NCAA tournament. I know it's two games, but he's also a freshman. He clearly got better towards the end of the season, and that's what younger players tend to do. So you could also look at it as if he struggled and or if those two guys were really good, his opportunity would start to, I don't want to say dwindle as if he wouldn't play, but it would not be the 30-minute-a-game starter guaranteed right. that he was this year. So... With all that considered, I think this move for him makes sense because, again, I don't see the development happening next year in college. He's not going to grow four inches all of a sudden. And so what could he do in college to better his pro prospects? Now, again, the fact remains for him, he's not an NBA guy. And, again, that's not going to change. But if it's not going to change, then if you want to be a professional – Go right ahead, because I don't know how the situation really improved for him either here at Auburn or somewhere else next year. And so it's it's actually fine to go ahead and start a professional career. You just have to know that that professional career is not going to be right in the, in the NBA. Well, so so my question is: Do you do you agree, or do you think that that one of the things that I said, and I even mentioned it last week when we were talking about uh, Treor. Uh, and who was Chance Westry? Uh, Westry, um, announcing that they were leaving. That Bruce Pearl is maybe saying that you know having meetings with these guys and saying, look, uh, and, and obviously with Trey Orr and them, I think that was a we're moving on, we're moving in a different direction, and we wish you the best. You know, I think that's probably how that went with Wendell. I'm wondering if it was, uh, you know. Uh, sit down and meet with him and say, listen, we're we're going in a different direction with what we want this roster to look like. We think you can be a good player, but the likelihood of you being, like you said, a 30-minute starter is probably not in the in the cards for next year because we're just trying to go in a different direction. Sure. I I'm wondering if that's the conversation the conversations that are having because he because Bruce Pearl is going to have to revamp this roster. I mean, what what they put out there, the product they put out on the floor this year, 
was just not good enough. Um, it was not good enough shooting. Uh, it was not good enough uh, consistently in in the in hustle. Uh, it was not consistent enough in the uh, turnover ratio, and that's something that we have talked about so many so much on the show. Is that this team loves to force turnovers, but then you look at the stats and they they turn it over just as much as they force turnovers. Right, and so I really think that uh, after kind of maybe taking a step back and looking at the at the the, the people that are on that roster now and what they want that roster to look like next year there's going to be some guys that are not going to be a part of this program anymore and i think wendell green is one of those because you have so many other options at that point guard position and he's not going to play another position he's not a guy that you can throw out there as all of a sudden as like a shooting guard and you sure as hell can't bake him a forward right so he's a point guard and you're wanting to go in a different direction for point guard, uh, either with Aiden Holloway or Westry. And then, and then, of course, like I said, you've got next year, you've got two of the top point guards in the entire country coming in. I think they're trying to go a different direction there. And so they probably sat down with him, as a staff should have, and explained, here's, you know, this is, these are your options, and these are what we think are your better options, and, and this, that, and the other. And I think that's why he made that decision. At least that's just what I think. I, I'm obviously not a fly on the wall in their meeting rooms. I have no idea. It could have been a complete shock to Bruce Pearl and them that he announced. They were like, hey, what in the heck? You know, you're supposed to be our starting point guard next year. Why are you leaving? I, it could have been that. I doubt that, but it I, could have been that. <laughs> I think that Bruce Pearl has honest conversations with his players. Absolutely. Um, he is not going to force them to make a decision if if he doesn't need them to. I mean, he has some scholarships open. Right. Especially if you're talking to Wendell after the fact, you know, Trey Orr and Westry are gone. So I don't think there's any force. But I do think that Bruce is going to honestly look at the basketball roster uh, and say what your prospects are of playing this amount of minutes or what your role in this team is. Now, with, with Westry and Treor. I you know I am sure that he told them you're going to have an uphill climb to to work your way into the relevant rotation, but I also still don't think he was just like yeah just get out of here you know right. it, you know those were still high coveted guys and you don't give up on those guys in one year uh, in general and so I don't think that he just told them yeah just get out the door but I think he had all his conversations with them like you know. You guys are down the pecking a little bit, and it's not all your fault. Maybe that's my fault. Maybe I didn't play. If I'm talking to Chance Westry as Bruce, maybe I didn't play you in the right spot, or if I'm Trey, or maybe I didn't give you enough of a look in certain situations. You know, maybe you know Bruce is going to be honest there, uh, but I think with those guys, those are high coveted guys that want to play, and they don't really, they're not willing to wait half their college career to play. Sure. So I, I think those situations are still different from Wendell's, which is. I assume that he said, look, you're going to come back and still be a veteran leader on this team. Right. But a part of being a veteran leader is we're going to need you to be able to pick your spots and, and understand that you know, if someone else is hot here, if someone hot is behind you and you're not playing well, there might be a situation where you're not in a certain lineup at the end of the game. Right. Or you know, maybe those guys are, are bust. I don't know. Maybe you do play 30 minutes a game again. I, I, can't, I can't guarantee you. Right. And I think that's probably what that conversation was like. And but 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 I'm I can't sit there and guarantee you, hey Wendell, you're going to be our starting point right. guard next year. And I wouldn't when, want him to. No, absolutely not, not. with what Auburn uh, p- could potentially have 
behind him. Now, again, the thing about guarantees, they they don't allow for much wiggle room, right? right? And so there's still a chance, uh, and, and we certainly hope not, and I, I wouldn't bank on it. There's a chance that Trey Donaldson does not improve and that what we saw was fake in the in the NCAA tournament. And there's a chance that Aiden Hallway is not ready from the word go. Even though yeah. he looked like a monster. Even though he looks the, awesome. Again, the, like the I said, this, is not, game, this, is, this is not what I'm predicting, and this is not the most likely outcome in my opinion. But how confident was Auburn that between Treyor and Westry, something good would happen with those guys on year one? Pretty damn confident. Right. Everyone, including myself, ecstatic when Treyor flipped from oh, LSU yeah. And, yeah. and trans Westry what he could do uh, with the ball in his hands. So there's still not guarantees. So that being said, with Wendell now off the roster, what more do you want in the, either in the portal or in a late recruit uh, addition? What more do you feel needs depth-wise out of that backcourt? And that includes shooting guards. So Katie Johnson's got to make a decision still, too. Right. And we can talk about the Flanagans and Williams in the world, too. But for this conversation before we go to break, in the backcourt, okay, you know Wendell's gone. You know Westry's gone. Right. You know Donaldson is back. You know, hallways coming in. What else do you want to have happen in that backcourt? So, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's going to be transfer portal, but it needs to be more of that shooting guard. I think, uh, I think that Pearl and that staff feel that they are upgrading at point guard. Um, whether that be with Westry or Aiden Holloway, I think they feel Donaldson. like or Donaldson. I'm sorry, Donaldson uh, and Aiden Holloway. I believe that they look at that as an upgrade from Wendell Green. And so I think they're okay there. Now, they may try to go get another one just for the pure depth of it, but I think with those two, they feel like they've got a solid one-two punch that they can use at the point. But, yeah, Katie Johnson, woefully inconsistent. Lo- love the kid to death. Lo- love his love his fervor and the, and the crazy faces and the reckless abandon sometimes the way he plays. I absolutely love it. But he's woefully, woefully inconsistent. And so uh, I, I think that – you look in the transfer portal, which they are. Um, I mean, you could go through and look at any of a number of guys that are have announced they're transferring that Auburn's looking at. And so uh, I think ultimately they hit the transfer portal and they get one of those guys to come in there and, and fill that kind of that true shooting guard role. Uh, and, you know, whether that means that uh, – whether that means that uh, Katie stays or goes, I don't know. But um, I think they're looking at upgrading. Again, Pearl and that staff are looking at this roster, and they're trying to revamp it, and they're trying to upgrade in every position that they thought was the inconsistencies and things that they can find somebody and get an upgrade. That's a position they're going to be upgrading on. And, you know, but Katie spent a lot of time coming off the bench. So if he keeps doing that, you know, he can be a great bench player and a great role player for Auburn, but he's not going to be a guy that starts. So if he's looking at having a full-time starting spot somewhere, then I don't, Auburn is not the place for him. And so, you know, whether, whether then he wants to try to uh, check out the G League or something and do like Wendell Green did, or if he wants to transfer away, but, you know, he, he's not going to be a, a starter. And I think Auburn is looking for upgrades to be uh, – a main time starter and and he's not it yeah i think that shooting guard is where they're looking the hardest because again i i feel we all feel pretty confident i think in aiden holloway even though ryan like you said definitely not a guarantee but aiden holloway and trey donaldson feels like one of those two is going to be a pretty good starting point guard 
uh, at Auburn. Aiden Holloway shot, I think, 40% from three this season. It just an insane shooter and a really good and has grown as a passer over the past couple of years so you you like what you're going to get uh what you think you're going to get out of Aiden Holloway and, and like you said Trey Donaldson in the NCAA tournament was uh pretty pretty freaking good um so that two guard spot is where I expect it the most I, Katie Johnson like Tom said love the kid love his energy uh love what he brings to the table but he is best in a bench role and that might be all he ever is and and if so that's perfectly fine that's perfectly respectable to be a a bench college player and no one's going to be mad at you for that um but you need somebody to come in who's 6364 can play on the wing can create his own shot can cut to the basket that's the thing that this team didn't have that who and, and honestly I thought Chance Westry was going to be that this upcoming year that tooth that wing player who can cut to the basket and shoot threes when he's open and and be that six three six four guy. Well, Chance Westry's decided he's going to take it in another direction. So now you're going into the portal, and again, I think they were going to go to the portal for depth piece anyway. Uh, but now you have an even more, you have an even even sexier recruiting pitch of, hey, we don't have anybody that we feel comfortable filling the spot, so you can come in. You're a guaranteed starter on a team with high expectations. Um, I don't know if they go get another point guard. Uh, I, I know I talked about this a little bit already, but I, I don't know. I'm interested to see uh, interested to see what they do at point because, like I said, I feel like they're pretty comfortable. But I think you go out and get at least one more true for, shooting guard for the well, and maybe even a point just for the pure yeah. depth of the matter, yeah. and maybe even a combo type guy, a guy that can yeah. run point, guy that can uh, be a shooting guard. You know, just that kind of a combo dude in your in your backcourt that you can play around with and and do whatever. Uh, so yeah, they're not done there, and, and like you can go through again with the transfer portal and look at all these guys that have said that Auburn's reached out to them or they've right. reached out to Auburn. They're, they're definitely looking at to to find guys that I feel like in their mind is going to be an upgrade from the guys that are currently there, even though they were guys that played a lot of minutes this year. I, I think that staff feels like they can get guys in that are upgrades over what they currently had out right. there. There are handfuls of them. We mentioned a couple – Last week, again, when we say some of these names, I'll try and differentiate wants and preferences versus actual rumblings. And last week, talked a little bit about TJ Bomba, Washington State, Joe Girard, Syracuse, guys that I personally really like that did have Auburn in the expressed interest column, now Auburn along with 20 other schools. So there's absolutely no rhyme nor reason if Auburn ends up in a top five or top three there when it's decision time but guys I think would fit the bill another one that is this is this one's not as much speculation this one is more okay we've actually got some rumblings of a guy named Denver Jones 6'4 195 out of FIU now he is actually getting some rumblings this is not just like a wish list item for me he uh, Auburn's had some conversations with him. Now, it's also an important note, there's still four or five other teams in on Denver Jones, including Alabama for that matter. Uh, but Denver Jones, tell you a little bit about him. Again, 6'4 guard out of Florida International, 20 points per game at FIU this year. He shot it very well, 48% from the field and 37% from three, 85% from the foul line. In his two years combined, FIU, his freshman year, he, he – uh, was 12 and a half points a game. The shooting was not as good. 39% from the field, uh, 35% from three, though still certainly respectable. So in two years at FIU, you're looking at a 16 point a game player, 86% uh, from the foul line, almost 87, and then 44% from the field and 36% from three. 
I've uh, I've joked before. You show me any guard that's shooting thirty five percent from three or above. I just just go ahead and sign him up. Just I'm good with it. <laughs> just go ahead and slide that on a roster yeah. spot. So he's a guy that's obviously used to scoring a lot uh, coming out of Conference USA. Uh, again, talked about Alabama's been in on him. So a lot of schools that are reputable are looking at him, and as they should, a twenty point guy from a league that turned out to be a little undervalued this year and all the postseason success it had. Uh, so Denver Jones might be a guy to keep an eye on. We'll certainly update you as we hear more rumblings or more guys in the transfer portal and then obviously more decisions still for current Auburn Tigers uh, to be made as well. But I did also want to point out, you know, I forgot to mention, you know, Zepp Jasper is gone for a fact. He right. did not have a decision to make. He was out of eligibility. So Auburn was already one starting position in the hole. So someone was going to step up in that starting lineup regardless. And now there will be a second new starter uh, in the fold with the announcement of Wendell Green Jr. We need to take our first time out of the show today. When we come back, we will go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. If you're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call. Call has been on the air since 1995. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Monday. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brant Daughtry with you here. A lot to do on this Monday edition of Sports Call. This will It's also a really good thing this is a three-hour show. Those don't exactly grow on trees uh, this time of year because, as a matter of fact, uh, weather permitting from some of our uh, various high school and Auburn University sporting events, this will be our only full show of the week. Every other show will be less than two hours long. So... Uh, we will, of course, update you on the end times of all the shows, but tomorrow's end time will be right around 4.15 or 4.20, so just a little less than an hour and a half show tomorrow. But again, going the full three hours today, coming up at 4 o'clock, Kevin Ives, he is at AUPPL on Twitter. Plainsman Parking Lot will join us. Been a couple weeks due to various reasons, but we're looking forward to having Kevin on the show talk some Auburn baseball with us. Now let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line. For the first time today, 334-887-3401 locally, toll-free, one tiger 9 First up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James joins us. James, how are you doing? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all were talking about um, uh, one of the basketball players actually leaving uh, this year to make his uh, talents known in the pros. Wendell Green, Jr., Yes, so um, I actually think that Wendell Green Jr., I think he would be a good fit for the G League and um, because with me as a fan and watching, uh, you know, watching some of the upcoming stars that might want to play in the NBA, 
I think with Wendell Green Jr., I think he should play with the Texas Legends and seeing what he will do for the Dallas Mavericks as well. So I think Wendell Green Jr. should play in the G League and probably, you know, put his talent with the Texas Legends uh, affiliate of the Dallas Mavericks as well. Yeah, we will see. No, Really no telling where he will uh, end up in the G League, but I know that will be uh, his goal to start out with, and we'll try to work his way up. But uh, we do expect him to try and be in the G League. Yeah, the league is actually – it's been around for quite some time, and that's where all of the uh, NBA stars actually got their start uh, through the G League, like LeBron James, uh, Kevin Durant, uh, not not quite, not quite, James. Now, uh, now uh, some some guys have come from the G League to play in the mm-hmm. NBA, but those guys that you were just naming, they were drafted really high, and usually first round picks do not end up uh, going to the G League. So, like LeBron and uh, Steph mm-hmm. Curry and Kevin Durant, and all that they they went straight to the their big clubs and and were really good. But but some guys do come out of the G League to make NBA rosters. Yeah, because I mean, if you go to the NBA, if you, I mean, anybody can like, you know, any any professional sports player wanted to actually start their start their career out. I mean, they have to start it, you know, with you know going through the G League or like Major League Baseball. Most of the Major League Baseball players they actually play, you know, in the in in the small leagues as well, just to get their names out there in the in the major leagues as well. Certainly happens in baseball all the time, but uh, in the NFL and the NBA, it's usually uh, not not that way. You usually start with the with the big team and and go straight from there. What else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually very uh, disappointed in the Auburn men's baseball because I know we played Florida over the weekend, and I thought that we were going to win it. So I, I just don't. I mean. We that that was going to be our our way of winning against Florida, but I think Florida was really hot on the bat against Auburn. So I think we might see them, uh, you know, we might see them again in the in the world in the College World Series sometime uh, real soon as well. Might also see them at some point in the uh, SEC tournament. I know. Some people will definitely be disappointed by that Sunday game blowing the 8-3 to lead and losing pretty demonstratively, but they did come into the series just wanting to make sure they got one against number 2 Florida uh, and Florida's home field. So I think I still think overall Auburn, despite the ugly loss on Sunday, would still consider it a, a decent success for the weekend. Yes, that's well. And then um, over the weekend I saw the LSU Tigers. I actually saw how they really did really well and actually winning uh, their first time ever in in women's SEC tournament. And I think they're really – I mean, they really had a really good uh, run. But I've looked at highlights of, of the game. And what really stood out to me in these highlights after that big win that LSU actually did, I know one of the LSU players were – uh, you know, pointing to her finger and saying that they that she needed a ring or doing all these kind of hand motions. And for me, as a college basketball fan, I, I think that's very unsportsmanlike uh, for her to sit there and you know actually you know do those kind of hand motions in front of another player and saying, "Oh, they won. They did this. They did that." It's not because of her. It's because of the team 
that won that. You know, you just can't just go up to another another player from another university and say, "Oh, we we won the national championship. Now it's time for us to get our rings." And you know, that that doesn't look right for the LSU Lady Tigers to actually do something like that. Yeah, a lot of people were were ultimately talking about that uh, this weekend. I I think the more relevant thing that uh, I I would wish people would spend a lot of time on would be uh, just the game itself and how uh, high scoring and and quality of an offensive game uh, that was. And certainly there was some banter again about the trash talk after the fact. But uh, the reality is LSU did get their ring and they did win the title. And uh, that doesn't take away from the great players that were on the court, both for Iowa and LSU. But obviously, I know a lot of people do have opinions on on what happened uh, as the game was ending. Yeah, because I mean that that really shouldn't be, you know that that for me as a sports fan, that should not be in any uh, professional athlete's mind to actually uh, do that. As you know that for, for me as a sports fan, that's actually unsportsmanlike conduct as well and she should have taken it as you know in a in another uh sports in a sports like manner you know like go to another player shake their hand and say congratulations i hope you know that y'all do better or we'll meet again sometime real soon something like that as well i got you james what else do you have on your mind well i'm actually uh looking at the NBA playoff uh, selection and uh, seeing uh, who's going to actually make it to the playoffs. So it, it's a really it's a really huge toss up for the NBA uh, teams that are actually going to be in the playoffs. So I don't know who's going to win and who's going to actually um, advance to the playoff uh, push as well. Yeah, unfortunately for your Mavs, James, they took a, a very important mm-hmm. loss last night, and it does not look like they're going to make the playoffs. So uh, I know that's a frustrating development for, for Dallas. They've got uh, a couple of very talented players, but it, it just uh, hasn't clicked for them here the last few weeks. Yeah, so I, I'm very disappointed in my Dallas Mavericks, and I'm thinking that we're not going to – well, we're not going to make the playoffs this year – Maybe next year, so I don't know if we're going to, between now and the NBA draft, I don't know who we're going to, who we're going to pick. I, I'm, I'm very capable of, of seeing who the Dallas Mavericks are going to pick in the NBA lottery, uh, pick. So I'm seeing some great players that are going to be coming out of some great universities, uh, this coming up year as well when they do the NBA draft as well. Yeah, a lot of good players in this year's college crop. Uh, you know, and and the Mavs, they need a little bit of help. And like you said, maybe just need an off season to to get for that backcourt to really start gelling, and uh, maybe add another piece to help them out in the future. Hey, James, we got to get your final thoughts for you because we got to take one more phone call here before the hour ends up. Um, so some final I'm, thoughts I'm, for you. I'm just gonna actually say my final thought that I'll have is this weekend I'll be actually at the A Day game and seeing what. Uh, Hugh Freeze is actually going to do for this Auburn uh, football team this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're all looking forward to that. We'll be talking about it throughout the week. I know he's meeting with the media right now, and uh, we are looking forward to A-Day. All right, sounds good, and I'll talk to you all guys tomorrow. All right, War Eagle, War Eagle James. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We have time 
for one more call here before we end the first hour. Next up on the program today, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt joins us. Matt, how are you doing? Hi, what's up, Brent? What's up, Cam? Yeah, it's Ryan, Tom, and Brant here with you today. What's up, Ryan and Tom? What's up? What's up, man? Hey, Brian, hey, uh, Tom, are you guys, are you guys behaving? Yeah, I, I'm trying to. They, they're trying to keep me in line as much as they can. But I'm, hey, a, I'm a wild one, so you got to watch hey, out for me. Hey, hey Ryan? Yeah. Hey, Tom, Tom married? Is Tom what? Married? No. No, he is not. You guys need to get them straight. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to try. Hey, what do you guys think about, like, uh, I got a couple questions. First, what do you guys think about Wendell going to, to NBA? Do you think he should be NBA go, or do you think he's ready, or do you think he should stay? And who do you think Auburn will probably get uh, and for basketball? Yeah, I, I think for Wendell, a lot's been made of the decision um, I, I think that Auburn is kind of ready to see some of these new guys play, and I think they're ready to kind of turn the page. And I think for Wendell, his stock was not really ever going to improve uh, beyond what it is now. I do not think he's an NBA player at all. I do think he can make the G League and maybe ha- have a career there or overseas. Uh, but but he's just trying to take advantage of of whatever he you know mo- positive momentum he's got right now and. Uh, I, I think it might end up working well for both sides. So, I, so um, Ryan and I'm uh, Brent and Tom. Wasn't like Jared Har- wasn't Jared Harper in the G League? Yeah, Jared Harper is in the G League right now. He plays for the team in uh, Birmingham right now. So, like for example, Wendell could go and then play in the G League with Harper, right? Possibly. They're both point guards, so they, they're both small point guards, so I doubt you'd see them on the floor at the same time. But theoretically, yeah, they could play on the same team. So who do you guys see coming back probably? Do you guys see Williams or Flanagan or um, number 24? I can't believe his name. Yeah, so I think that uh, Jalen Williams is going to be a key to get back. Yeah. Uh, Janai Broom. Uh, as well, I think those two will probably be back. I think with Flanagan, I would lean towards projecting him to leave. Yep. Um, but again, we won't really know until though they make their final decisions. I expect those decisions though to come in the next week or two. What? Hey, so uh, Tom, what do you think about number twenty-four, and what do you think about the uh, All-American player that Auburn signed? Yeah, uh, you know. I, I think the uh, the the All American they signed Aiden Holloway. I think he's looked at as a guy that's going to be an immediate impact. Um, and so, I, I think Bruce Pearl's looking at this whole roster and he's kind of revamping some things. And I mean, there it's it's going to look a lot different next year. You're gonna you'll have a few familiar faces, but I, I think it's going to look uh, a lot different than than this year. I, I think they're looking at up, trying to upgrade at every single position on the floor if they can. So Ryan and Brent. Do you guys think number 24 will come back next year? Yeah, Janai Broom. I I think you're talking about Janai Broom, and if it is Janai, then yes, he'll he'll be back next year. I'm not talking about Janai Broom. I'm talking about number 24. Uh, Dylan Cardwell's what number? He's 44. 44. Not talking about 24. Oh, Leor. Leor Berman. Leor Berman. Oh, Leor. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, no idea. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, do I don't know. <laughs> he's not going to transfer out. He's not going anywhere, but he, he may not be back next year. I don't know. I think he's a senior this year. So, 
Okay, so you probably you guys don't see a flame coming back, right? I, he could. It is unlikely. We we don't know yet. He has not announced. No decision has been made. So who do you guys think probably would be the Auburn football starter for a quarterback? You think it'd be like Gardner or Asper? I think uh, if no new transfers come in, I think it'll be either Holden Gurner or Robbie Ashford. I would lean towards Ashford, but I don't think Auburn's starting quarterback is on campus right now. But you guys, you guys don't see Finley as a starter, probably. No, no. no. I think he's had his chance, and he's he'll be gone after the spring. I think. I don't know that. So, where do you guys think Finley will probably go? Uh, his younger brother is a wide receiver at Southeast Louisiana. I bet I would bet money that's where he ends up. I don't know that, but that's what I think. Well, hey, do you guys think do you guys think that Auburn can beat Texas A&M in baseball? Uh, yeah, we certainly hope so. I think that being at Plainsman Park will be uh, very beneficial there. If Auburn can take one from Florida, Florida, I like Auburn's chances to at least get one against Texas A&M, if not get two. They have their opportunities against Florida. Who's, so. who's pitching, and what's the weather supposed to be like? Do you know? Um, I do not know who is who the uh, the the rotation is going to be. Uh, for the weekend yet. Yeah, I just know it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. The the weather, there might be one day in there that could be kind of rainy, but um, I think in general, uh, Thursday is supposed to be pretty good. Friday, kind of iffy. Saturday would be the, the, the worst weather day, I think. So, so hey, Brent, will you or uh, Ryan be there on Saturday? On Thursday, I mean? Uh, no, ne- neither of us will be there. Hey, we, hey you guys ever see uh, JJ said, hey, uh, we absolutely will tell. Well, I told JJ uh, recently that you said hey, and he said what's hey. up in War Eagle. Hey, you guys need to get Cadillac on the radio sometime. That would be pretty cool. Um, and, and, and also get uh, my man. Uh, he used to be with you guys a long time ago. It's not. Jeff, it's not Jack Afford. T. Reed, Trevon Reed. Trevon Reed, yeah. You guys need to get him on there. Yes, sir. Uh, Hey, you guys! Hey, you guys have a nice Easter, and um, I guess I can do the cheer real quick. Let's do the cheer real quick, and then we gotta take our break. All right, five, four, three, two, one. War Eagle. Hey, beat Bama three to sixteen, Bama. Come to our field. We're gonna smoke you. Booyah! Smoke. Booyah! <laughs> hey, where's Brooks at? Uh, Brooks is not on the show on Mondays uh, when when I'm able to be here. Hey, Ryan. Yes, sir. Brent. Yes. Those is a hundred dollars. We will keep that in hey, mind. Hey, hey, and Tom, he's not behaving. He owes us two hundred fifty. <laughs> two fifty for right. Tom. We got you, Matt. All right, you guys. Worry, gonna I'll call you guys next Monday. And James, War Eagle, and we're done, Steve, War Eagle. Hey, you guys need to get Sean to call, or he's fired. Okay, we will we will let him know that. We appreciate the phone call, Matt. I see you guys, War Eagle. War Eagle. That is Matt for Tallahassee, Matt from Auburn, joining us on, or Matt for Auburn, Matt from Tallahassee, joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We are out of time for hour number one. Kevin Ives, Plainsman Parking Lot, will follow this timeout. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call.
One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starts right now here on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and I've got Tom Peavy and Brant Daughtry on with me today. All right, let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line, and let's catch up with our good friend Kevin Ives. He's at AUPPL on Twitter, Plainsman Parking Lot. Kevin, the time is greatly appreciated. Hate that we couldn't talk over the last couple weeks, but but hope you've been enjoying some good baseball and hope you're doing well. I'm doing well, and yeah, I have been enjoying some good baseball. Um, you know, college baseball and Auburn baseball is in full swing. Major League Baseball just started. Um, so it's been good. I know it's been a busy, uh, it's been a couple busy sports week with uh, NCAA basketball tournaments and um, start of major league season and everything else is going along spring uh, Auburn spring game and stuff wrapping up um, and spring practice so yeah I completely understand it's been kind of a, a whirlwind when it comes to sports in, in April and um, you know into March yep. well Kevin let's dive right into uh, into Auburn baseball this weekend uh, they get one of three from Florida but uh, the elephant in the room is that Auburn bullpen, um, and just your thoughts on it. I mean, they're they're obviously having some struggles, especially when you get deeper into the bullpen. They are, and I think a little bit is that there's just some lack of depth and a lack of experience is really kind of hurting Auburn. Um, you know, you'll get some guys back. They did have a, an unfortunate injury on on Sunday that kind of limited it, forced them to go back to Drew Nelson, um, who had a great midweek start against uh, North Alabama. Um, but, you know, maybe kind of press them into service a little bit quicker than they wanted to. Um, and you just kind of just see a lot of guys that um, are trying, they're trying to find something that'll work. They shook up the rotation this past weekend, um, starting Jordan Armstrong and starting, uh, or starting John Armstrong and um, starting moving Tommy Vale to that Sunday role um, and then moving Will Cannon from basically the closer position uh, to a Friday starter. Uh, and it kind of worked a little bit. Um, you know, they got that Friday game. Will Ken had a great outing. Uh, Tommy Vale was pretty good, was decent in his outing on Sunday. Um, Armstrong kind of struggled a little bit. But um, I think at this point you have to understand that with the pitching staff is they're going to find something that works. And so um, it'll be something where the coaches just are going to – they're going to go with what they can trust, um, and they can hopefully have some guys kind of step up, maybe get some guys fully healthy. You know, we're still – waiting on guys like Tommy Sheehan and Joseph Gonzalez to come back from injury. I think they, they mentioned that, that Sheehan may be coming back pretty soon um, or maybe ready to go pretty soon. And we're, it's unknown about Joseph Gonzalez. Um, and so you kind of just have to figure that in. You're going to take your lumps. On the bright side, Auburn's offense has really kind of turned a corner now that it's back at full strength with Cooper McMurray and uh, Bobby Pierce back in the lineup. Um, and so the offense is there. The offense can kind of handle what it needs to be but like you said it's going to be 
a situation where you just got to get out. Um, and that Sunday game was a prime example, I think, of, uh, you know, Auburn just gave up too many free passes. They hit too many batters, gave up too many walks. That's what eventually would come back and, and bit them, um, you know, and kind of led to a little bit of collapse after, you know, going up 8-3 and you think everything had kind of turned in your favor and you kind of held Florida's bats at bay. Um, and then you, you really can't keep a team like that down and give them all those free passes. And uh, you kind of saw that, you know, you, you saw the end result with that. Um, but I think on a positive note, I'm always going to focus on the positive stuff. It's stuff that'll be worked out and it's stuff that'll be figured out. Um, they're going to go with what works and they're going to sort of emphasize the things that they're going to be successful at and try those multiple times um, instead of maybe trying something new or maybe try to um, work in a, a separate pitch or, or something like that. They're going to trust their guts and, and kind of work on um, the scouting report, go on that, on what they can expect from hitters, um, and kind of go, kind of play to everyone's strengths and pl- try to play matchups a little bit. But overall, I mean, you it is disappointing that you did not take the series and you were in position to kind of take that series um, and get a big road upset. But overall, grand scheme of things, Right now, just taking one from Florida is really what you need to do, and that's what Auburn did. And, and that was going to lead me to my next question, Kevin, is like big picture. I understand that these three losses over the course of the last two SEC series have been very lopsided losses with a lot of runs allowed, but big picture, you take two of three from Georgia, who figures to be bottom half of the league, but then you take one of three at Florida, who's one of the very best teams in the entire country. Three and three feels kind of like what the expectation would have been. Do you feel pretty good about the the three and three overall here in the last two series? I do. I mean, you kind of really. I think overall, after three SEC weekends, the only thing I'm, I, that I think is kind of behind schedule is Auburn was not able to take a game from Arkansas that first weekend. Um, I think really big picture and and going into uh, SEC play, um, you just want to try to avoid being swept and. Um, win series at home, and so far these past two weekends, Auburn has done that. Um, and it's going to continue this next weekend, which is going to be a huge weekend, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series, leading into A-Day and Easter weekend and stuff against Texas A&M, a team that, that Auburn really needs to take the series. They, they pretty much have to take the series from A&M, and they're going to really help themselves out when it comes to the pecking order in the West because – Outside in the West, outside of Arkansas and LSU, you really have kind of those, those four teams that are bunched together, um, and you want to try to get as much distance as you can from Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Alabama, um, and Texas A&M, and, and kind of let yourself kind of feel good. I mean, we're, Auburn's only going, only going to play, I think, one, two more SEC East schools. Um, you know, they're going to play Missouri, which started off hot and just kind of faltered. And you have South Carolina, who's absolutely red hot right now. Um, but for Auburn, the, the main goal is not get swept uh, on the road, maybe sneak in a series win, um, and then win all the win the series that you can at home. Um, and so that means having that big series with LSU coming up on a Cinco de Mayo weekend and definitely taking care of business against teams that you need to and taking series from A&M, Alabama, Ole Miss, um, and kind of make yourself give you put yourself in a good position, um, you know, heading into the SEC tournament. And I did want to mention those SEC stains a little bit. I know we are still basically just a third of the way 
uh, into SEC play. But there are a couple surprises, and you did mention the positive side of things with South Carolina just being red hot right now. But also, as you mentioned with the West a little bit, I'm very surprised Ole Miss is just 1-8 in the league. That was one of the higher-ranked teams earlier in the year. And then even to some degree, I know it depends on who you play, but but Texas A&M was, was pretty highly ranked at 1.2. Do you feel that those two teams in particular are kind of destined to have disappointing years, or are they still kind of sleeping giants that could turn it around at any moment? They're still – I mean, they're still SEC teams. They're still good teams. They are still teams that, just like Auburn went to the College World Series last year – um, they still have really high level players and um, any weekend is going to be is going to be basically a roll of the dice in the SEC it's just going to be who's hungrier and who kind of executes better um, it's not something where you can look at the record and say oh well, Ole Miss has not won a SEC series so that should be an easy series for us to take no you can't do that at all um, they're still Ole Miss they're still a really good team and they're really well coached um, and they have a really solid core that they've kind of built around. Um, and so, yeah, you can't take any of these teams for granted and kind of overlook them. When you do that is when you honestly end up like what happened to Tennessee in that first weekend against Missouri where they kind of overlooked Missouri, and it came back and bit them in the butt, and they got swept, and now they're digging out of a hole themselves. So you you cannot take any of these weekends lightly. They're all super important. They're all super big series. Um and it's really something that you kind of have to take it weekend by weekend. And if you do have a setback, then that just means the pressure is going to be on you um, for the upcoming weekend. So you just kind of got to see how it plays out. Um, and especially, too, you know, you're going to play in Ole Miss, which is going to be tough to play um, later in the year. And, and so, yeah, you can't overlook any of that stuff. And A&M, like I said, a and is going to be coming in here. They're going to have a little bit of momentum because they – took the series from Ole Miss. They think they may have figured some stuff out. Um, you know, they kind of went two. That means they went two and two this past week because they lost to Texas in their midweek. Um, but they're still a really good team. They're still a team that's going to give Auburn headaches. Um, you know, and it's a team that Auburn Auburn just has to play has to just fix itself first, and everything else will kind of fall into place. They don't really need to worry about what the other team is doing. They just need to. They can see what issues need to be taken care of um, and what they need to focus on and clean up. Um, And when they do that, then everything's going to kind of settle itself out. Let's talk a great individual here. Uh, As Auburn has hit 39 home runs this year, 14 of them are off the bat of Bryson Ware. How locked in is he? How much fun is it to watch him as he's replacing the power numbers? We, I mean, we watched something special and sunny to share, and I know he's not drawing some of the walks that the did and that sort of thing. But I mean, Bryson Ware in the power department is right up there with anybody. It, he really is, and he's really come on late, um, and he's really become a reliable force uh, when it comes to those extra base hits and home runs. And Auburn has, doesn't have really great power numbers if you look across the league and you compare them. Um, to some of the other schools. Um, but Bryson Ware played in that full-time role um, and pl- being an everyday guy, I think it's given him more of a chance to get more at-bats, to be more comfortable in his swing. Um, and it's not just the fact that he is hitting home runs. It's when he's hitting them. Um, you know, it's the fact that he is just a dangerous hitter and he's helping Auburn kind of be more formidable on offense. Um, and he's he's kind of, filling those numbers in, he's kind of, you know, filling that part of the stat sheet 
um, and making sure that it's not all – he's not the only guy that's doing that. He's a guy you might not would expect to have that many home runs and to have that type of power, and he does. I mean, physically, when you look at him, you, you don't think that he's going to have those power numbers, but he just has such a good swing and such a, um, a good ability to focus on the ball that when he makes contact, it's going to be good contact, uh, and he's able to hit the all fields and send them out most of the time, or a good number of the time. Yeah. Uh, and, and along with him, another guy that has just been uh, on a – here is a freshman Ike Irish. Uh, how fun is that kid to watch? He really is fun, and he, you know, he got a, a big home run um, on the Friday game against Florida. Kind of set that tone really early when he hit his home run, um, and I think he had another home run against North Alabama. His power is starting to come up a little bit. You know, for a while, I think he hit his first home run um, this past weekend uh, or the weekend before uh, against Georgia. And so I think. As his power starts to develop more, um, it's going to give Auburn even a, a better kind of one-two punch for the two of them with him and um, and Bryson. The best thing you can say about Ike, I think, is if you watch him play, it's not something that really you kind of see from his performance on the field. It's how he kind of um, carries himself and how in tune he is with the game. If you ever watch him, and you're not watching on TV because they're going to cut to a bunch of cameras, but if you kind of focus on him, um, even when he's at bat or when he was playing first base a little bit, um, he is in the game. He is absolutely kind of, he's always talking, communicating. If he has a bat at bat, um, he is telling the guy behind him, like, what to expect, what to kind of look for. Um, you know, he's very kind of in tune. You saw a little bit of that, too, when he, he caught for the first time, um, I think, in the Georgia series. You kind of saw that where he, uh, there was a situation um, to where he was kind of asking, the one of the one of the, the opposing team I forget which game it was what the opposing team was trying to do a challenge and I kind of knew that they didn't really have any more challenges um, it was kind of confused you know as to why they were still being allowed to have a challenge and stuff like that um, and he's just really he's really competitive he's really fun to watch he's a guy that you know you're going to have three more two more years of after this um, and you kind of can watch him kind of develop even more um, and kind of get those those accolades will probably get a um, I would assume he'll probably at some point get a uh, maybe a Cape Cod invite or a good summer ball invite. Um, but he is really fun to watch, and he's he's really someone that you would kind of expect in his position. That you know, as a freshman having such a hot start, that when they reached SEC play, and opposing teams have a bigger better book on him, that his numbers would kind of go down. You've seen that with other kind of freshmen over the years, but with Ike, it hasn't. They've they've only either increased um, or stayed the same, and they were already at a high level. And so the fact that he is playing at this level as a true freshman um, really kind of – and also where he came from, he was coming from Michigan, kind of shows you a little bit of what Auburn is having to do when it comes to recruiting, kind of find these guys that um, are a little bit of diamonds in the rough and kind of know how they'll, um, their skills will translate into SEC play. Um, and so you got to credit you know, guys like Carl Nunnemaker and, and most of the recruiting guys to find him number one to bring him down, and the fact that he's been so impactful on day one um, kind of shows that you know he is ready and he's going to be more of an everyday player and a guy that you know little kids are going to want to come to watch and make sure they, they try to get an Ike Irish ball signed and stuff like that. 
This is Kevin Ives at Plainsman Parking Lot discussing Auburn baseball. And uh, Kevin, lastly, uh, this weekend, um, uh, a big weekend for Auburn. You're, you're a huge, uh, maybe not a bigger Auburn baseball fan than you, but uh, this weekend, how important is it that Auburn's going to be honoring uh, Frank Thomas with the, the statue at Plainsman Park? I mean, it's, it's absolutely huge. I mean, you, you still have to understand the fact that it, and it's something that Auburn can hold its hat on, that you think that of how good SEC baseball is. Um, and how and the, the the players, the names of players that have played in the league, and the fact that Auburn has the only Hall of Famer who played in an SEC school right now, and that's Frank Thomas. Um, and he's been such a great ambassador of the game, an ambassador of Auburn. Um, you know, when you see him on TV, when he does the color commentary and stuff, or the studio stuff, um, he kind of has, uh, he's become more of a, a name and more well known. I mean, he had a great career with the White Sox. He's he's one of the, those last few guys that kind of spent their a big bulk of their career with one team and kind of um, was known at that. I mean, there's not. I mean, I can only think of two baseball players outside of him that um, had a video game that that bore their name. And so, being able to honor him um, and kind of add to his legacy, kind of build that part of the park, um, and to like remind people that. You know, Auburn, Auburn is not just a football school. You know, Auburn is a, is a school that has really good football, really good basketball, baseball, women's basketball, all sports. Um, and being able to kind of honor him and um, kind of remember, like, his legacy as a player, as a professional player, um, you know, those teams that he played on um, and coached by Hal Baird. I think it's a really good – it's a really neat deal. Um, I, I just hope the weather kind of – uh, plays nice that Saturday, um, but it's something that's going to be there forever, and it's something that's going to, um, you know, that that's really going to be neat and kind of add to the aesthetic. And it's good to honor him, and it's good to honor uh, a player of his stature that that has done so much for the game of baseball in general and for Auburn baseball in particular. Yeah, we do need to have that rain stay away on Saturday. I was looking at the forecast earlier, and uh, not looking ideal. But uh, maybe Frank will will hit the clouds hard enough away. Uh, yeah. to remove him from Plainsman Park. Kevin, the, the time... Only, Go ahead, I'm sorry. I say, the only thing I'm sad about with Frank Thomas is the fact that he used to have, a couple of years ago, he had his own beer. He had Big Hurt Beer. Um, <laughs> and, and he came down... I remember meeting him because he came down to Auburn to basically shield the beer um, and was handed out free samples. Not the best beer, but it was good enough. Um, but they don't make it anymore. I'm kind of sad about that because I always thought that was neat that you can get like Big Hurt Beer... Um, they had it at Kroger. They had a big like Frank Thomas display. I wish I would have grabbed the display before they um, threw it out. So yeah, that's that's one thing I am a little sad about when it comes to the legacy of Frank Thomas. There's no more big hurt beer. Oh uh, man, that was a good play on words there, though. I, I wish it would have made it just just for nothing else. That was a a good name. But uh, Kevin, the time is greatly appreciated at AUPPL on Twitter. P is Plainsman Parking Lot. Kevin, hope you have a great week. Appreciate the time today, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, guys. Talk to you later. That is Kevin Ives joining us here on this Monday edition of Sports Call. Always appreciate Kevin for taking some time out of his day to join us. We're going to take our first time out of our number two. Retired Ward AMC will join us on the Auburn Bank phone line next. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call. have your attention please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show
Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Monday. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Our thanks to Kevin Ives. He is at AUPPL on Twitter, Plainsman Parking Lot, for joining us to talk some Auburn baseball. If you missed any of that, the Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. 334-887-3401 locally. Toll-free, 1-888-9 at Tiger 9 are the numbers to join us today. Next up on the Auburn Bank phone line, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing, my friend? I'm ready to Ward Dam some. Good afternoon, Ron LaVoy. Yes, sir. Tom Peavy. And is it Brent? Uh, Brant is here. He has uh, stepped out of the studio for the moment. He'll be back in a moment. Okay, well, he's escaped the wrath of me so far then. All right, I enjoyed listening to the comments. All we do from Mr. Uh, uh, Ivy, is that right? Kevin Ives. Ives. Kevin Ives, yeah. Ives okay. Um, however, I was hoping he'd been a little bit more thorough in addressing some stats that uh, I'm, I'm hoping, guys, you can explain to me how they're going to be turned around as quickly as they need to be. And here's where I'm going to go with you guys, okay? Because I, unfortunately, allow myself to be uh, suckered in, okay, uh, after seeing that 10-to-1 uh, thrashing on Friday night. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, it was Friday, yeah. I uh, said, so, hey, hey, we, maybe we can actually uh, win the series here. And then this is what Mr. Ives didn't, for me, and I don't say what I'm saying to you guys. I say much Kevin Ives to himself. This comes from Jason Caldwell because I watched this torture. Uh, yes, I did. For the weekend, this comes from Mr. Jason Caldwell's column today about Auburn baseball. Auburn starters lasted just 11 total innings and allowed nine earned runs. That left 16 innings, guys, that the bullpen had to cover. He said that's way too much to expect from them. Yep. Okay, I'm going to get down to a second here. Then he goes on to say, last week in against Georgia, Auburn Stars allowed, allowed 10 earned runs in 10 innings. In the SEC opener at Arkansas, the Tigers started again, allowed 10 earned runs in just 10 innings. That means in nine starts, this will uh, throw you into a nauseating spin, Auburn Stars are averaging 3.4 innings per outing with an, get this, ERA of 8.42. Yeah, terrible. Those numbers, those numbers have to change. Now, Kevin Ives didn't, for me, really sufficiently address how is that going to happen. Because if you think that's easy to turn around, hold on, guys, because this is the crap that I watched and almost threw up on. We were winning eight to three Sunday. Can you guys watch it? And then, with two outs in the sixth inning, you know what hit the fan? Right. We had. How many pitchers? 
six pitchers came in to do what? End up Hold giving on. up 17 runs, yeah. 13 walks were shared among these six pitchers, and three of the batters were hit by us. Now, if you told me we had 13 walks over nine innings, I said, okay, I might swallow that. But this was 13 walks, guys, by not just – and we can't say uh, – maybe Kevin Oz could say, yeah, well, it's one or two pitchers, you know, and they got to work on it. No, six pitchers were involved in this debacle. Guys, I know some of you guys are newbies, but please – and I've never he'll pitch in high school or, or in college – but some of these guys were transfers from, from uh, other places. Uh, some of them were high school. Uh, and I know we have Bush Thompson, who's supposed to be a guru for pitching. Uh, how do you explain that six pitchers kept throwing balls in succession? They pulled uh, – who was it first that they got pulled out? Um, yeah, I'm trying to I'm not exactly uh, sure the the exact order, but but I can. The order it didn't matter. It didn't matter. There was Nelson, there was Cannon. Um, who else was in that uh, uh, lineup of uh, uh, suspects? But anyway, guys, I mean, it, I, I lost count how many consecutive walks and, uh, and balls they were thrown uh, before they finally got a guy strike. So I, I I'm saying this, guys, because you know this. If it has to get better. How do you do it? I mean, these pitchers aren't because some miraculously say Shazam. Right. I mean, I, I do think the staff is is uh, certainly not a deep staff. It is ranking as it has the twelfth highest DRA uh, in the SEC out of fourteen teams. So it is it is clearly struggled, and you know I think it's more than just missing Joseph Gonzalez too. Although I do think that if you did have him. You would have a. It would affect more than just your rotation because you would not have as many innings to cover because he was a guy that went deep in the games last year, uh, and it would help define some roles for people more clearly. They're still searching to have uh, all three starters in place and still uh, some of their setup relief roles and that sort of thing. I mean, the reality is, is the staff is just is just struggling. I mean, it just is not good, and and anyone. Uh, can see that it has struggled this year. And, uh, again, when you have your best pitcher injured from the get-go, it affects the it affects the whole shebang because it brings people in the spots that they're not uh, really supposed to be in. So, uh, I, I unfortunately, I don't think this staff is going to end up having success this year, uh, and they're going to have to outscore some teams. And, and sometimes they'll do that, sometimes they won't. But, uh, they obviously do have to get more length from their starters. That would be a very important place to start. Well, why were these guys so bad, guys? Sunday, uh, and I'm looking at the 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 the, 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 the actual the uh, succession was this: Alsop, Isbell, then Nelson, and then Copeland, and then finally Hayden Murphy. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry, and uh, Copeland. Uh, uh, Alsop, you know, he can be good, he can be bad, but then Chase Isbell comes in. Uh, he's I thought pretty decent, but he kept walking people. Uh, I, tell me, guys, why are these guys? I mean, why are they so uh, just god awful Sunday? I mean, it, I mean, Steve, that that I, I can't tell you why they were all all bad at the same time. I mean, that that is that is a part of baseball. That is a very you know big outlier performance. Absolutely, that is not common. Uh, but nevertheless, some people have putrid performances. Some some teams do it all at the same time, and we've seen Auburn. 
in these losses this year, they've kind of done it all at the same time. The 24-run game to Georgia, obviously 17 runs yesterday with all the walks. Uh, you know, that it snowballs on them really quickly. And again, I think that's due to the lack of depth and, and p- guys pitching with undefined roles because of injuries. You know, once they get off their very designed path, they have a, a troublesome time. So, again, that, that unfortunately, A, it is not a, a very good staff. And then, B, when it's going off the tracks, it is going way off the tracks. And, and, uh, it takes different forms and fashions. One day it might be six or seven home runs, and obviously this game was a ton of walks, but th- that's the reality of a staff that's struggling. So this is on on who? On Coach Thompson then and the rest of the coaching I, staff? I'm not sure we should be assessing vast I, amounts of blame towards – I mean, the, the coaching no, staff – No, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm talking about accountability. I mean, because <clears> all I've done is Coach Thompson supposed to be a uh, – Pitching coach uh, guru. Oh, but you can be the best coach in the world, but you can't get on the mound and throw the pitches for him. I, I mean, know that, Tom. But what about the talent evaluation? How, how did he pick these people? Well, I mean, I, they he's he's been doing fine before, but I mean, right now you just got guys that are struggling to find the strike zone. And and if Butch want, if he could wave a magic wand and make them start throwing strikes, he would. But right now he's just got some guys that are just struggling to throw the ball, and and he has said that. Um, he has said that he knows what these guys are capable of. He's seen what they're capable of, and he knows that they can be good pitchers. But right now, he's got a bunch of arms that are just struggling. Okay, so what I'm hearing from you then, and then from Ron is what happened Sunday is hopefully an anomaly. These guys are better than what they performed Sunday. Well, I think they're better than the 13-walk mm-hmm. aspect of it for sure, and they're not going to give up uh, 17 runs all the time, but they have had a few games that they've given up double-digit runs. They're good, that's going to end up happening again. They again are statistically one of the weaker staffs in the SEC, and obviously the SEC is a wonderful baseball conference. So there's going to be a lot of, of tough lineups. So I'm not saying you know they won't give up another 12 or 13, 14 run game, but no, I, I would not think the 13 walk stuff would, would would happen again, or at least not more than one more time. Well, I, I'm sure it's my I guess I allow myself to be, you know, I guess deluded because Monday, Friday night's 10 to 2 win. I said, wow, we got a heck of a defense. So that, maybe that was an anomaly. Okay. Uh, hopefully we'll get better somehow. All right, guys, uh, there was a lot of excitement going on. I'll do lightning round stuff. How about South Carolina undefeated season being imploded by who? Iowa. Caitlin Clark did most of the damage, right? Yeah, Clark's been phenomenal all year long, and uh, Iowa scored a lot of points all year long. And then, wow, if that wasn't a shocker, then LSU in just completely demolishes and thrashes and takes a woodshed Iowa. And Caitlin Clark, what happened there, guys? Yeah, LSU was very um, very motivated. And look, it's a title game, obviously. There's a baseline. 102-85, though. Right, there's a baseline motivation there. But, you know, they were going into that game, and look, Great players sometimes motivate themselves in interesting ways, but LSU seemed to take it personal that Iowa slugged off the South Carolina uh, shooters and made South Carolina penetrate down low, and, and LSU's stance was basically, you're not going to do that to us. We're going to make our our jump shots, and they did it. Uh, so they, I don't know. They were, they were just ready and locked in to make perimeter jump shots. They made mid-range shots, shot the three incredibly well. And they played the very best of their abilities. Wow. Um, 
I mean, I never expected that kind of a score to be down. Then, of course, you got the aftermath schoolyard antics. I said, really? Apparently, um, I've got her name from LSU player. Angel Reese. Yeah, Angel Reese to Caitlin. But then other people blogged said that Caitlin did the same thing um, in their game uh, against Louisville. Is that right? Against uh uh, yeah, 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 she did it very, very briefly. Waved her hands in front of her face. It's the old John Cena thing from wrestling. You can't see me, type thing. Um, yeah, there's, there's a whole thing with that. I, I think it's just getting way too blown out of proportion. Schoolyard crap. Okay. Well, I mean, it, it's look, it's, it's kids that, it's kids playing a game, and and people do these little taunt things all the time. Kaylin Clark did it, and then they did it right back at her. People are just trying to blow blow it way out of proportion. I, the one thing I do want to mention in that championship game, Kaylin Clark scored thirty points. Um, yeah, I read so that. she got she got her points. She scored thirty, but uh, the rest of the team just could not get. Uh, she couldn't get help. Uh, well, she, no, they couldn't get a stop. They scored eighty six well, points, right? They, whatever, but. Right, but they couldn't get a stop. In in the meantime, you had three players from LSU score over twenty points. So, so was that an anomaly? Because I didn't watch a game. I know LSU was that great. No, LSU LSU has been awesome all year. They've, they, they they've only lost two games all year. But they South Carolina lost, was undefeated. Well, yeah, no, yeah, South Carolina. That was sure. a, a stunning. Uh, turn of turn of events with South Carolina getting knocked off as an undefeated team, but LSU had only lost two games all year: one to South Carolina and another to Tennessee. In the meantime, Iowa had already lost six. So, okay. you know, Iowa has taken some L's, not not a whole lot, but they've taken some L's. But yeah, Kaylin Clark scored thirty. She just didn't get a whole lot of help else around her, and then they just could not stop LSU from scoring. All right, moving on, guys, real quickly. Uh, I couldn't have scripted a movie or made for TV movie with this ending. You know, you guys, I told you I was pulling for the Aztecs, right? Well, I thought that they were dust. There's no way we'll come back from 14 points down in about, what, eight or nine minutes left in the game. And they did it. And they did it in TV scripted movie fashion. At the buzzer, Mr. Butler scores it with, I said, he hasn't got enough time. And he did it. Yeah. Did you guys see that shot? We absolutely did. Absolutely. I mean, that was not an easy shot. He was, it was being contested. You agree? Yeah, it, well, it was being contested, and it was also um, not one where he really got his feet set to hit an open shot. Uh, it was kind of a desperation shot, right? As the, uh, the the basically the play that they I think they had in mind, it just kind of got jumbled up, and he found himself just in desperate need of just getting a shot off at the buzzer, and he just was able to get uh, just enough of a good look that he was able to knock it down. Well, I happen to read of you guys saw uh, after the game, one of the reporters. Asked uh, the coach for the Aztecs, why didn't he call a timeout? Did you happen to read his response? Yeah, he yeah, yeah he said it uh, was up to his uh, players. He left it up to his players, and they said they didn't want to take a timeout. Well, I also heard. Well, I read something else. Is right? The other response that I that I read uh, from USA Today, he said he said that I didn't have any more plays. I think that was more of in jest. Uh, okay, what, what I, I thought that was funny. I didn't have any more plays. Yeah, no, he, I think that was a joke. I, he uh, he talked about it after the game on the broadcast that he in the huddle that they he left it up to his players and they said they wanted to play it out. Okay, well I'm glad, that, but that's still funny though. All right, real quickly, guys, I've La- seen. Got to be last thing better. for Steve. Everybody and their grandmother and mother and uncle and grandfather are betting uh, uh, on the spread on the line itself and money line. Uh, the, uh, the I guess everything they've got. When it comes to the betting uh, tonight, 
Did you know that? It's all on UConn. Oh, I figured. Yeah, absolutely. So, guys, how, how, does, how does, is, has, do the Aztecs have a legitimate, even plausible uh, chance here to take down UConn, or is it already over to just, you know, name the score it's plausible uh, but i i think uconn is a clear favorite uh, they have been uh, trucking everyone in the ncaa tournament and there's inherent value in san diego state getting here and all the teams that they've been able to beat so it's not impossible it's plausible but uconn is right to be favored and they are very dynamic and they've proven that they can score at will but they've also proven they can be physical down low, block a lot of shots with both Sonogo and their backup big guy. And, and so it's a very formidable challenge, and UConn should be favored. Okay, here's a piece of that real quickly. You know, no number five seeded team has ever, they've gone to the final, uh, to the final, to the championship game, but never have won it. You know that. Okay, five seeds never won it. I did not know that have, for a fact. Have never won it. Never won it. Okay, there is a column, guys, I'm going to leave her tomorrow that it deserves uh, some justice. Uh, so, time, if you allow me to, it's from insider.com. And from this time on, on I'll pull for this team, except when they play out, uh, Atlanta. It's entitled The Dodgers Keep Giving a Retired Player with Bipolar Disorder and Schizophrenia $0 contract so he can keep his health insurance. Interesting. Okay. So, uh, it comes from a sports journalist writer, Court Gaines from the insider.com. I thought, wow, what a good feel story that you don't get to read very much about from big companies, especially in sports business arena, that do nice things for people when they don't have to. All right, I'm going to let you go, guys. I'm looking forward to I hope it's going to be a competitive game tonight. I hope UConn doesn't blow out Aztecs. I hope there's an upset. But that's it, guys. Hey, thank you for your time so much. Uh, and Mr. Uh, Matt, more damn eagle. More eagle, Steve. We appreciate your Bye phone guys, call. Guys. Have a safe afternoon. Thank you again for your time. My time is up. More eagle. Yes, sir. War Eagle. And I'm sure Matt for Tallahassee uh, heard you say War Eagle there, Steve. Appreciate that phone call. Retire Ward AMC joining us here on the Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take our final timeout of hour number two. Still a lot to do on this Monday edition of Sports Call. We'll be right back. you want to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au now back to the multi-time abby award-winning sports call Welcome back to Sports Call on this Monday afternoon. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brandt Daughtry, and Tom Peavy. Appreciate Retired Ward MC for joining us right there on the Auburn Bank phone line. Only a few minutes left in the hour, so let's get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Birthdays in sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn, the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. The Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Today's birthdays will start off with Jaron Allen, who turns 41 today. Allen is a former NFL defensive end, selected fourth in the fourth round of the 2004 draft by the Kansas City Chiefs out of Idaho State. 
four-time first-team All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowler, two-time SAC leader, 2004 Pro Football Writers Association All-Rookie Team, member of the Minnesota Vikings Ring of Honor, named as one of the 50 greatest Vikings, is number 41, retired by Idaho State, as it should be. Jared Allen, who wore 41 for Idaho State, turns 41 today. Cam Chancellor turns 35, former strong safety for the Seattle Seahawks. Bam, bam. Selected in the fifth overall in the 2010 draft by the Seahawks out of Virginia Tech. Super Bowl 40. Go Hokies. Okay, thank you for that, Tom. Someone's got to pick up the Brooks Slack. Super Bowl 48 champion, two-time second-team All-Pro, four-time Pro Bowler. While at Virginia Tech, Chancellor was 2009 second-team All-ACC. Cam Chancellor turns 35 today. Jay Bruce turns 36, former MLB right fielder, three-time MLB All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger, played for the Cincinnati Reds, New York Mets, Cleveland Indians, Seattle Mariners, Philadelphia Phillies, and the New York Yankees. Jay Bruce, powerful hitting right fielder, now formerly of Major League Baseball, turns 36 today. And Jared Vanderbilt turns 24. No, he did not go to Vanderbilt University, but he's current power forward for the Los Angeles Lakers. Selected 41st overall in the 2018 NFL, uh, NBA draft by the Orlando Magic out of Kentucky. Go Big Blue. And was tra- Thank you very much for that, Tom. <laughs> and was traded to the Denver Nuggets on draft night. Also played for the Minnesota Timberwolves and Utah Jazz. High energy guy for the Lakers, Jared Vanderbilt turns 24 today again. Jared Allen, 41. Cam Chancellor, 35. Jay Bruce, 36. And Jared Vanderbilt, 24. Those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. And that's a rare list where I can uh, visually remember every single one of those guys playing and every single one of those guys really playing in their prime. So that does not always happen on uh, birthdays in sports, but uh, it did happen today. Still a lot to do in the show when we come back for hour number three. We've still got a preview tonight's national championship game between UConn and San Diego State. Also need to tell you about what Hugh Freeze said today uh, in his press conference as we get ready for the last week of spring practice. Give you some notes on how spring day might operate on Saturday for Auburn A-Day. And then also our best and worst of the weekend coming up right before the show ends. So stay tuned. A lot coming up in hour number three. More Sports Call after the break. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. 
Hour number three starting right now. Sports call here on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, and I've got Brent Daughtry and Tom Peavy with me here this afternoon. Fun show so far. Been a loaded show so far as we've talked to Kevin Imes about Auburn baseball. We've had a few phone calls on our Auburn Bank phone line. We've talked about Wendell Green Jr. going pro, leaving the Auburn basketball team, and much, much more. We still got still got a lot more to go here in hour number three. Best and worst of the weekend coming up in a little bit. Nightly TV guide at the end of the show, but a couple things to do before those items, and that is a little Auburn football and a little talk about the Final Four in the national title game coming up between UConn and San Diego State. We'll start with Auburn football with fall practice, another practice in the books today, or I guess taking place right now, and some quotes from Hugh Freeze to the media as he met with them. Just over an hour ago as we get set for A-Day uh, on Saturday, as we get towards the end of spring ball, of course, we've been talking quarterbacks a lot throughout, uh, and, and that will not cease all offseason long. Uh, but want to highlight some of the things that Hugh Freeze did say, uh, first about quarterbacks, then about some other things. Uh, he was asked kind of where those guys are improving, okay? And I, I found... This is pretty interesting. He mentioned that Robbie Ashford's pocket presence is improving, that his ability to keep his feet and, and not be so choppy uh, uh, is, is improving. TJ's playing within the system, and Holden's accuracy, especially down the field. Now, uh, I don't want to inject too much of my opinion of that, but what that tells me is Robbie Ashford has a real improvement they like. Holden Gurner has a real improvement that they like. TJ Finley's learning – Place. How to play. <laughs> TJ <laughs> Finley is also there. Yeah. <laughs> Finley is participating and trying his best. Um, some other notes about the spring game in uh, particular this weekend. Um, Hugh Freeze kind of honest with what we were going to see or what we will see on, on Saturday, talking kind of tempering expectations a little bit that they want to put on a good show for the fans, for recruits, etc., but that they're, quote, not going to do too much of what they're thinking they're going to be really good at. So, in other words, they're not going to put their best stuff on tape. Shocker. Uh, something also interesting he noted, he really kind of laments the fact that uh, big schools or really schools in general don't actually scrimmage somebody else. Uh, Hugh Free seems to be in favor based off these comments today uh, that – the likes of Auburn scrimmaging a UAB or an Alabama scrimmaging a Troy is with the references he brought up is something that he would like to see in the spring. And then one or two other things, and I'm just going to let you guys take whatever you want out of all this, of what we've talked about. He says that the tight end room uh, has the most on their plate in terms of uh, what they're going to mean uh, to, to learning everything different and, and just uh, what all they're being asked to do between blocking and running routes. Although he highlighted Rivaldo Fairweather as someone that's doing an excellent job uh, catching the football. And then he also said, Jarquez Hunter is the, quote, best running back I've ever coached. He keeps his mouth shut and goes to work. Uh, he also said, amongst just in general, anyone else that's improved a lot from practice 1 to 12, uh, Mosiah Nasili Kiete, uh, the Maryland defensive lineman transfer, uh, has. Uh, disrupted a lot lately and played very well so uh, highlighted those guys uh and again mentioned again the rivaldo fairweather at, at receiver slash tight end being the most consistent at catching the football so there's a lot of what hugh free said uh spring game other positions quarterbacks where do you want to go brant uh i think 
as with all things, I think we should begin with quarterbacks. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I've, I said earlier today that I don't think Auburn's starting quarterback is on campus right now. Uh, if it came, if the season started tomorrow, I do think it would be either Robbie Ashford or Holden Gurner. Um, but like, like we've touched on a million times, you, you don't put in your full playbook in the spring. You put in your basic stuff and you just, you start to lay the foundation of what you're going to do later, uh, in the fall. And so I don't expect Auburn to do anything just super crazy in the spring game, but really what this is is getting your quarterbacks used to this offense this is this is the overall main idea i don't i don't know i don't know i don't know what quarterbacks will be available i don't know uh who the i i mean obviously grayson mccall is the name that everyone wants to keep talking about we don't know his academic status but there's rumors that he could finish he could finish school over the summer and then be academically eligible to transfer there's a lot of rumors flying around. I don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be. Um, I know that I'm still high on Holden Gurner. Um, I, I think that he's a super talented kid, and he was a, a four-star out of Savannah when he began uh, and, and when he signed with Auburn. So I still think that Holden Gurner has the highest ceiling as far as just a true quarterback. Um, but Robbie Ashford obviously offers more in terms of a dynamic running threat. Uh, and then, you know, I, I know I've defended TJ Finley and I will continue to defend TJ Finley as a kid with talent. Uh, but I, I don't think he's good enough to play at Auburn. I don't expect him to finish his career at Auburn, but if he gets through the spring and goes, Hey, I might just be the best one here, then they're not going to force him out the door. I don't think, uh, if he's first in every drill. So I don't know. The quarterback position is going to have a lot, right? The, this season is going to have a lot riding on the quarterback position as, as, as does every season of modern football. And, you know, I, I just, I don't know. It's spring. It's spring, and I hate the spring because it's kind of like, hey, we're talking about football, but not really, and it's several months away. Yeah. And we, we don't really know anything, even though we, we think we're getting real information right now. We're really not. A couple other little things here, then Tom will give his thoughts on what he, all uh-huh. Hugh Freeze had to say. Uh, offensively, uh, Hugh Freeze says, quote, feel good about two or three run schemes that have been successful, still searching for their, quote, bread and butter. Uh, and then also says that they uh, have uh, – he's been very happy with the tackling uh, in scrimmages. However, in a separate uh, question, he noted that he uh, feels the linebacker play has been very inconsistent and uh, have most on their uh, plate in terms of position groups on defense. So he feels tight ends most on their plate on offense, linebackers most on their plate in defense. Uh, I wanted to touch on the uh, quarterback thing again real quick. I have also said that I don't think Auburn's starting quarterback is on campus, and we have discussed the numerous areas and the the numerous other teams that have major quarterback battles going on that could lead to a transfer uh, once everybody's spring are done. The one thing that I will point out, I also like Holden Gurner, very uh, highly recruited guy, but also recruited kind of uh, under the Brian Harson system, which was kind of using that kind of a pro style, not – you don't necessarily need a very mobile quarterback. They were looking for more of that pocket passer. Uh, Hugh Freeze and the offense type that they run is more like what Gus Malzahn would run. There's going to be a lot of read option. You kind of want that little bit of a more of a uh, mobile athletic quarterback. So it kind of fits more with Robbie Ashford's game. I just don't know that his passing is going to progress, and that's why I think 
you're going to look at a, at another quarterback coming in here that fits more with that system. I'm not sure that Holden Garner's style of play necessarily fits. Now, you can work around that. I mean, if he if Holden Garner is just your best quarterback, then obviously a good coach is going to fix that offense around that quarterback right. and, and do different things like that. But you also have to, like I said, you got to understand that Hugh Freeze is going to run. It's a lot of from the shotgun read option. Uh, very similar to what we saw with Gus Malzahn that, that really thrives with an athletic quarterback instead of one that just sits in the pocket and is a quote-unquote pro-style pocket well, passer. Well, let me contest that point a little bit because we're very caught up on what just happened at Liberty. But if you go back to what happened at Ole Miss, he had Chad Kelly and Bo Wallace uh, as his quarterbacks. Now, they could move a little bit, but they were definitely throwers before they were runners. Right. Uh, and so now Holden seems to be fairly immobile. I mean, I, I, I we've not gotten great eyes on that part of it yet. Um, so he might be less mobile than those guys I'm referring to. But Ole Miss, they were a pass first, sure. run second part of, of, of their quarterback dynamic. And, and that has to be, even though that's a little further back, in my opinion, that has to be equally relevant to what he did with Malik Willis at Liberty because that's how he operated when he was in the SEC, and that's the that's the hand he played when he was playing the competitions he's about to play again. Now, that does not disqualify the opportunity to play a guy like Robbie Ashford um, that will run a lot and be maybe a better runner than a passer. But I think the truth is, is that he is willing to adapt that offense right. to whatever the – preferred method of his quarterbacks is we've seen a little bit of both in his time in the last decade of him uh, in college coaching so I think that's why it truly is wide open because if he feels that Gurner is by far the best passer then he might will be willing to build everything they do around that yeah. however if he feels that he's really just about the same as a passer as, as Robbie Ashford uh, then he will then defer to okay Robbie Ashford's running is elite so we're going to try and build something around that. And, and I think you have to be – look, again, this shouldn't be something that we just like – before we've even seen it, he miles and miles of praise on because that's what a good coach should do. That's not necessarily what every coach does do uh, is change their scheme a little bit. But there are hints that, look, Hugh Freeze I think is going to be flexible here because he's talked about Philip Montgomery's going to call some plays. He might not call every play. Hugh Freeze is used to calling plays, but if you read everything Hugh Freeze is, is saying, Hugh Freeze is only going to call part of the playbook. He's not going to call every single play. And so there is you – know, granted, that's going to set up for a lot of talk of, well, who called that play and who called this play and who should you blame for that? And that can be a dangerous game. But, again, if you take Hugh Freeze as word right now and you read the stuff that he's putting out – uh, he said he wants to be much more of a manager than actually a play caller or be his hands-on. He's leaving some stuff to his offensive staff, to Philip Montgomery. Montgomery will absolutely call some of the plays this year. So if you read into that, you also got to look into everything Philip Montgomery has done uh, as both a head coach and an OC. And then also, again, does that mean, okay, depending on situation, you could go more one style or the other. So uh, without having been on the field yet, there's just a lot of variables that will have to play out over time. And we simply don't know which direction for sure he'd prefer. If he'd prefer the guy more like at Ole Miss with Bo Wallace or Chad Kelly, 
which is kind of a, a gutsy guy, but a pass-first guy than a run guy, or if he really likes what he did at Liberty the last few years, you know, revolving around Malik Willis and his legs. But I, I do think that there's a, a lot of pass background still, sure. even even out of what he's done the, offensively. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a lot of pass background, but, uh, you know, even, uh, you know, Chad Kelly was listed as a quote-unquote dual-threat quarterback. Bo Wallace was a quote unquote dual threat quarterback. They they did not run a lot, but they could run. They were very mobile, and again, just the style. Like I said, almost purely shotgun read option. They want that run of the quarterback to be part of that read option, and so they want somebody that at least can be sort of a threat to run the ball. And and yeah, Chad Kelly didn't run a lot, but Wallace didn't run a lot. But when they did, they they did. Uh, and that's what makes me concerned about Holden because he just that's not really his style. That's not what he does. Now, can you adapt to him? Absolutely. But I I think and I have in my head more of uh, a pass-first dual-threat quarterback, I guess is the best way to say it, not a pure pro-style pocket passer, which is what Holden Gurner was recruited as. So I don't know. We'll see. Regardless of all that, I still just don't think that the starting quarterback for Auburn is on campus right now. I think that uh, I, I think that the transfer portal is going to be where Auburn goes with that. Could it be a guy like Jackson Dart? Uh, you know, if if he doesn't win the job at Ole Miss, what does he do? Uh, does he stick around Ole Miss even though he might be on the bench with the guys they bring in? You know, so is it? It could it be a Jackson Dark type guy. Could it be another one of these guys that doesn't win the job somewhere around the country that that uh, Hugh Freeze thinks fits more with his style and what he wants to do? You know, it's to be seen. But I'm I'm just very convinced that Auburn's going to go find a quarterback in transfer portal after all the springs are done. It, it is my opinion, um, and I, I think you can. I think I could find facts to back this up if I truly felt like it. You, as as a quarterback in modern football, rushing is a luxury, passing is a necessity. Yeah, You cannot just be a good dynamic athlete. And if you have a quarterback who's a really good passer, that guy is more rare than a really good athlete who can throw it 50 yards in the air. Getting rid of a quarterback because he doesn't... Getting rid of a super talented quarterback because he doesn't fit your system is foolish. You adjust your system. And we saw Gus Malzahn do that to great effect in 2017. Uh, Jarrett Stidham, like uh, Chad Kelly and Bo Wallace, was listed as a dual-threat quarterback, was not a dual-threat quarterback in college. Right. But Auburn set records that year offensively with Jarrett Stidham as the starting quarterback. You can be, you can adjust your offense if you have a good enough quarterback to do it. And Auburn did in 2017. Uh, didn't in 2018, but it wasn't really on the quarterback. There were a lot, there was a lot that went into that. I I think getting rid of Holden Gurner. If you think Holden Gurner is not good enough to start for you, fine. Uh, if you think that Holden Gurner is a really good quarterback, but he doesn't fit your system, I think getting rid of him is dumb. Uh, and and I don't know. I I I'm still high on Holden Gurner. I'm gonna be high on Holden Gurner. Uh, I don't know if he starts this season. I, I we I, we all agree transfer portal is probably where Auburn's starting quarterback is coming from. But I think if you overlook him purely because he doesn't run very well, I think you're doing both him and the team a disservice. 
The debate will go on. What will happen at the quarterback position? We'll see the quarterbacks play a little bit here in the spring in just a matter of days, and then that portal will open back up, and we'll see how a lot of guys respond post-spring practice. Of course, we will continue to talk all about it as we go through the coming weeks and months. We're going to take our first time out of our number three when we come back. The National Championship in Men's College Basketball tonight. UConn and San Diego State. Just how everyone had it. We'll talk about that game right after this. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Monday. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Tom Peavy and Brant Daughtry join me here on this first show of the week, the only show in which it will be a full show unless uh, weather stops one of our athletic events that we got coming up on 95.9 later this week. This will be our only three-hour show tomorrow. We'll take it one day at a time. We got Borgard High School Baseball coming up tomorrow. And so we will be getting off air right after about 4.15, 4.20. Tomorrow, 4.30, first pitch for the Beauregard High School baseball game. Speaking of baseball, Plainsman Park this week, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Auburn taking on Texas A&M. Of course, Easter weekend coming up, so that's why it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And you can be a part of it Thursday night, 7 o'clock inside of Plainsman Park. We have four tickets to Auburn versus Texas A&M. And you might want to grab these right now because they're sold out Friday and Saturday night, and there's some weather on the way later in the the series. But Thursday night should be dry, a great night for baseball. 334-887-3401. You can claim four tickets right now to Auburn Baseball versus Texas A&M. So give us a call, 334-887-3401. Four tickets to Auburn and Texas A&M this Thursday night at 7 o'clock be a part of the action is Auburn. I know it was a rough weekend in terms of runs given up, but they did take one from the number two, two team in the country on the road. Uh, so I think that's exactly what Auburn was trying to do uh, to come into the weekend. Well, what I was going to say, they took one in a big fashion. I mean, right, dominated sort of, that first one, and then we're up 8-3 to three Sunday and just bullpen couldn't hold it. So, I mean, playing some good baseball, I just got to get some help from the bullpen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and or some, pitching overall. Pitching overall, yeah. Th- again, 12th in the league in SEO uh, and, and runs allowed. But, uh, man, Bryson Ware is worth the price of admission. And, yep. of course, if you call in right now, the price of admission would be free. So uh, we hope you do that. Let's talk a little college basketball now. The national championship game is tonight, UConn versus San Diego State. We also want to give a shout-out to our sports call group, uh, our bracket challenge, it's basically over because uh, <laughs> only one team picked UConn to win the title. I said one team. Only one person picked UConn to win the title, and that was Austin Scott. Wow. Austin Scott is already in first place. He cannot lose. Austin Scott will win our bracket challenge. Second place will be the sports call bracket, as we did kind of a, <laughs> Let's group, go. a group exercise Let's before go one of these shows. And so our bracket will be second. 
and I will be third as I did get UConn in the title game correctly. Not much else, but this year didn't need much else. Uh, so My, uh, mine went into the garbage after the first day. And uh, did you have what you what did you have again for like the title game? Did you lose uh, those pretty early? Yeah, well, I had Kansas winning it. Okay, so that was out in the round of thirty-two. Yeah, yeah I, that was I think I had. Uh, I think I had Kansas over UCLA in the final, and they were out in the Sweet Sixteen yeah. to Gonzaga. So yeah, you were. Yeah, it, it, it's disproportionate, man, because you you the, you get the same amount of points in every round. Yeah. But of course, you split it thirty-two ways in the first round, but you only split it four ways in the final four and two ways in the in the championship game, and so. Uh, most of that is uh, is all garnered very uh, very quickly if you or, or, or is lost very quickly if you if you lose those top teams uh, early in your bracket. So we're left with UConn, San Diego State. San Diego State won a hell of a basketball game against Florida Atlantic this week, and I admittedly was pulling for the Owls, but uh, no ill will towards the Aztecs. That was a uh, phenomenal shot, and then UConn was able to. Uh, kind of do what they do. Uh, they they dominated Miami pretty good, uh, pretty often. Miami was having uh, trouble shooting from the perimeter in the first half, trouble scoring in general. They started to come around the second half, uh, but it just was not able to, uh, to to do enough in the second half. And so, guys, what do you think between uh, UConn and San Diego State tonight? Uh, I mean, UConn is heavily favored, and they're just playing at such a high level of basketball. San Diego State has been playing great basketball, but obviously needed that buzzer beater to to get to where they're at. Uh, I, I just I think UConn just has too much, and I think there's a reason that people are thinking that might be a pretty lopsided game. Now anything can happen because San Diego State has made it to the Dagum Championship game, which I don't right. think anybody saw that happening. You won five games to get here. You've done something right. Exactly. You know? So they're doing something right, but man, UConn has just been dominant and. I don't see it stopping. Uh, they they're just on a they're on a roll, and so I, I got to just go with UConn on this one. Yeah, I think that kind of hits the nail on the head. UConn is they they've kind of blown through this thing in in a, in a tournament where you're supposed to face a tough matchup five times before you get to this point. All of a sudden, UConn has just made this look easy. What, their closest game has been what thirteen points, something like that. They they haven't had anything close, and uh, the way that the way that they've dominated, it's tough to see anybody beating them. We'll talk a little bit about it, or a little bit more about it in just a moment. But for now, let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-341 locally, toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine. Next up on the show, Michael from Auburn. Michael joins us. Michael, how are you doing? Doing well, guys. I didn't know if y'all talked about it. If y'all got a chance to see it, but uh, Alabama and Arkansas, the baseball game, the the coach gets thrown out of the game and kind of trolls the Arkansas faithful as he is he gets thrown out and, and actually calls the Hogs or whatever and kind of mocks them. I thought it was hilarious because he came, he was on the Auburn staff before he took the Alabama job. But Yeah, I, Brad I Bohan, kinda, yeah. I, I thought it was pretty funny. I don't know if y'all got a chance to see that or not. Yeah, I, I, I saw, I definitely saw the uh, the the clips of that on Twitter and everything. So yeah, he, he kind of had a meltdown temper tantrum at one of the officials, one of the umpires, and yeah, on his way to the dugout, started throwing his hands up in there like he was calling the Hogs. And uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he had a little bit of a meltdown there. Yeah, it was very, it was interesting. Um, I, as far as guard play and Kendall Green, I, I mean, the kid, 
I know we've got some, you know, recruits. The kid out of Baker, he's only a junior. Uh, he'll be, I mean, he, he's lights out. That's going to help in a couple of years as well. But um, just uh, we'll see how things shake out. I, I kind of compared Wendell Green to, to kind of a Bo Nix kind of character. You either loved him or hate him, hated him, you know, if you're an Auburn fan and, and, and different things. He did some, some things really well to, to win games for you, but also kind of made some, you know, it's some turnovers at costly times as well and, and things. So, but I, I kind of compared him to that, but I wish him the best. Uh, you know, no, no ill will. I, 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 I don't know that his height and his length is going to, you know, equate to the NBA game, but we'll see how things turn out. Yeah. That's kind of what we were, were talking about a little bit earlier with, you know, it's, it's a difficult situation for him because he's, unfortunately, he's just in a body and a set of athleticism that just does not really act as conducive to any success at the, at the pro level. And there's guys in college that are very, very good college guards that just don't have NBA bodies. And uh, as productive as Wendell was at times for Auburn, you know, the lack of a, of a great three-point shot combined with the size and athleticism is just stuff that the you, you got to have if you're going to be – uh, big time in the NBA. So I'm sure he can make a G League team and try and carve something out there or, of course, play overseas. But uh, it, it's, he just doesn't have uh, what what he needs to do to be able to make the NBA. I'll ask this last question. I know Hugh Freeze, you know, he had the victory last year uh, with Liberty. I think they they, they beat the you know, pulled the upset and kind of beat Arkansas uh, or one of the other teams. I can't remember off the top of my head, but uh, do you remember what his, like, non-conference away schedule, like kind of what his – his resume kind of looks like. I don't remember any of those big wins at Ole Miss. I'm trying to think of them off the top of my head because I know Auburn, you know, we have, you know, kind of a history of just non-conference away games and us playing Cal. Uh, I'm just curious. I know Gus was able to beat Kansas State, but before then, I mean, you had to go all the way back to 99 at Virginia. So we have a, a bad streak when it comes to non-conference away games. I'm just curious of what Hugh Freeze's record may, may be in some of those affairs. Yeah, I know that uh... – Liberty played BYU and Arkansas in away games this year and ended up winning both of them. Um, going uh, going back to his time at Ole Miss, was 15 the last year or 16? I, I think, think 15 was his last so, year. Uh, if it was 15, I'm, I'm going through this. Uh, UT Martin Fresno that year, no thank you, New Mexico State. They were at Memphis and they lost that year. Uh, that was a 10-3 and three year for them. I think 16 was actually his last year. 14 – uh, nine and four year they played Boise and Atlanta and won Louisiana and Memphis were at home they won all those and they played Presbyterian uh, so not much there the Blue uh, Hose 2013 eight and five season they did go to Texas and won in 2013 44-23 uh, played Idaho Troy uh, in there as well in Southeast Missouri so uh, Texas would be the big one there. They did lose at Memphis. They won a neutral side against Boise. Mixed bag, I would say. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. That Cal game is, is on paper. I mean, Auburn should be favored, but just I, I remember, you know, as a student going out there against USC and didn't didn't bode very well. We played well and, and played well enough to win. We just couldn't come away with a victory. So maybe we can erase that. But thanks, guys. I appreciate it. No problem. Appreciate the phone call. That is Michael from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Also 2016 real quickly. Uh, they did play Florida State on a neutral field in Orlando and lost that one 45-34. That was the 5-7 and seven year that was happening as the spiral was going out of control and all that and uh, lost that game. But uh, 
Uh, yeah, no, it, it will be interesting. Of course, some of these teams, uh, some of these games, though, uh, Auburn, Auburn, and some other teams have non-con games scheduled for years and years in advance. Yeah, obviously. I, I think uh, the furthest out that Auburn goes right now, I think they have one scheduled for 2029. I think, and they've got this home and home with Cal. I think they've got something with Miami, Baylor. Um, is there another California school? I want to say there's another California school that they've got a home and home. UCLA, scheduled. I believe. UCLA, yeah. So Auburn's got. I think the next six or seven years of non-conference stuff scheduled out with some really interesting matchups. All right, time for one more phone call here on the Auburn Bank phone line. Next up is Anthony from Auburn. Anthony joins us. Anthony, how are you doing? Doing good, and you guys? Doing well. Yeah, I want to say a big, big congratulations to those lady LSU Tigers. Uh, You know, they faced the Iowa team that had a player that everybody was hollering and crying about, a Naismith winner, National Player of the Year winner here, and McDonald's player winning, Burger King, and, and everything else in between. But, you know, like I told y'all late last week when I last talked talk to y'all, you know, one player might be doing all that, but it takes a team to win a championship, and that's what it turned out being. And, you know, uh, a team effort from LSU, when they stars got in foul trouble and had to go sit for a, pretty much a greater part of the first half, the other girls got up and uh, – Filled in the gaps there and showed detail and uh, went ahead and did what they need to do and uh, got that thing in order. And then when them girls got back in the second half, they went ahead and poured it on and showed you what the Southeastern Conference is all about. So uh, that takes care of that Clark girl or whatnot. You know, so great about scoring a lot of points. But, you know, that's just like having a million dollars and you can't spend none of it. Um. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, she she yes. beat an SEC team to get to the national championship game, and otherwise undefeated SEC game SEC team. Yeah, she still accomplished a lot. I mean, yeah, and scored I, th- I, and scored thirty in the championship game. Yeah, I think but, but she's all right. When when you got a team that's been won forty six or forty eight games in a row and on a, a roll like that, everybody gunning at you, they've been through this and that and won last year's championship. I mean, you're going to slip up and lose one at some point, and they did. But it ain't like they got blowed out of that. They only beat them by four points. So, I mean, you know, that just be what it be. Even the best going to lose sometime. Muhammad Ali lost sometime. He's the greatest boxer ever put on a pair of gloves, period. You know, you got some other boxers that might have an undefeated record. But like I was telling a coworker of mine, that record might be undefeated. But look at the opposition that Muhammad Ali faced. That's what made him so great when you stand in front of George Foreman for eight rounds and took everything that Foreman could deliver on him. And no, ain't another boxing history that uh, was able to stand in Foreman like that without getting his teeth knocked out and find his uh, uh, nose or something in the restroom somewhere. So uh, when you look at that, that, that just makes the difference. Uh, but, uh, what, what, hey. does, what do Muhammad Ali and George Foreman have to do with women's college basketball? Well, I'm just saying the, the best get beat sometimes. You know, the best get okay. beat sometimes. By Caitlin I mean, Clark, Muhammad who put Ali up a triple-double in that game, right? Muhammad Ali lost five fights in his career, so, but he's still the greatest boxer ever been, period. Ain't nobody else compared to that. I mean, it's just what it is, but... But still, even the greatest. Even Michael Jordan lost sometime. But uh, Magic Johnson did, too. And, and Larry Bird did, too. And we know how great Larry Bird was. I mean, Larry Bird, oh, man, <laughs> I'm just going to tell you. But anyway, uh, you know, individual wars are nice. But that team thing that really what rings the bell, and that's what happened yesterday. Caitlin Clark may have all the individual wars that she got. But that just, I mean, what good that going to do you? And you couldn't uh, take your team to hallelujah land, I like to call it. Of college basketball. Oh, we know. Huh? So that's just what it is. You just got to now. I guess that's over. We're going to keep talking about Caitlin Clark until next year. We'll see what happens there. But one thing I want to mention since we're on this thing, you know, Caitlin Clark throughout the tournament was throwing little hand gestures up, 
can you see me or can't see me or some old nonsense they had going on. But yet when it's done to her, then the other girl got to be a thug, a criminal, and all this old kind of stuff that sports writers and media people want to write or, or just common people want to make comments about. Well, how about Caitlin Clark? I saw her do that uh, throughout the tournament when I watched them uh, the other week or, or whatnot. Uh, and she's been doing it all the time. And they got photographs and all this kind of footage to show that she's been doing it. So we can't say she ain't been doing it. Well, it, well. so here's the thing. Caitlin Clark hasn't said anything against it. She has no problem with what Angel Reese did, and nobody right. on this show has any problem with it. So okay. we're... Well, we're to bring it up. Yeah, we're not, we're not... We don't think it's a big deal. It's, it, it's, yeah. been, it's trash talk. It's been talked yeah. to death, and it, it, it yeah. doesn't matter. It's dumb that it's this big of a topic. Yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's only been just a very handful of people that have right. expressed any sort of problem with it. I mean, the vast yeah. majority of sports talk and sports writers are just like, whatever, it's trash talk. It happens in sports all the time. It, you know, yeah. whatever. But I would tell you this. If I was coaching any kind of program, whether it be junior high, high school, parks and rec, uh, junior college or college or whatever it is, on whatever pro level or whatnot, no matter what level, especially in the, in the amateur level. But uh, if I was coaching, wouldn't be no uh, nobody making any gestures or, or comments to another player. Whatever celebration you're going to have, you have it with your uh, teammates. And you keep it clean, and you won't be doing none of that. Because I just think, you know, that ain't never been my style to be nowhere trash talking. But I do understand you have players that do trash talk, and it kind of helps the game. But, you know, at the same time, stuff like that can cause a ruckus. You have, that's why you admit at time when that uh, blunt kid that was playing for Oregon on the football team, uh, a guy got in his face after the game and said something and got punched out. So uh, from that standpoint, I would, would uh, rather not uh, be in anybody's face trash talking or, ma- or making any hand gestures. But, yeah. hey, like I said, you know, if you can give it, dish it out, then you ought to be able to take it when it comes around your turn. So, But I'm like I said, I'm so proud of Kim Monkey and those uh, LSU uh, uh, Lady Tigers uh, taking care of business and bringing that thing home for a second year for the Southeastern Conference. We'll see next year who, what team might be in the Southeastern Conference. We could be our university. I don't know. Uh, might be able to, uh, Lady Tigers might mess around and, and, and go in that transfer portal like uh, Mulkey did and, and brought in nine or ten players from teams that were, you know, across the country and bring them in and plug them in and make, mess around and go to Hallelujah Land and bring that thing to our universe and everybody here and all of them be on the feet. Have a good one. Appreciate the phone call, Anthony, and uh, uh, that was a fun phone call. That was uh, something. Um, yeah, Auburn, unfortunately, actually, uh, go – Figure lost their best player in the transfer portal today. Yeah, yeah. Aisha Kulabali. Yep, uh, on all SEC selection. So uh, not off to a great start with the with the roster this week, uh, this off season. But uh, nevertheless, you never know. But uh, Kim Mulkey, what she's done at LSU has been incredible. Yeah. Uh, I would simply suggest that it is okay to give LSU tremendous credit that they did win the most important thing, and also the ratings for that title game were nine point nine. Uh, which is higher than two of the New Year's Six bowl games in college football. And I think that has a lot to do with Caitlin Clark because sure. of how uh, amazing she's She's the best player been. in college basketball. So I, I think uh, Clark Women's would tell you too. Probably I think, college basketball as a whole. Let's get it. She's better against her competition than any man has been this season, I think. Well, I mean, you don't you don't see many people, men or women, put up a triple-double in a 40-point yeah. triple-double yeah. in a she's, Final Four she's game. She's insane. That, it's ridiculous. So – Look, you know, she. Uh, I think she'd also tell you too. She would have preferred the, the team title too. So, oh, absolutely, yeah. it was uh, cool. She's checked the boxes in terms of what she uh, needed to say and and everything, and responding to the Angel Reese stuff. And again, I think it's more of a non-story uh, at this point. It was a hell of a title game and a hell of a run by LSU. And what Kim Mulkey's doing there is 
uh, mighty impressive. We're basically out of time for the show. We need to take our last commercial break. We will not have time for best and worst of the weekend at this point either. And I apologize. And I wanted to rant and rave. And guess what? I'll probably do that tomorrow anyway. And Brant's going to be on the show. He can rant and rave with me if he'd like uh, as well. But final always ti- a fun time. Final timeout of the show. Back to wrap things up after this. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Final minute or two of Sports Call on this Monday, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brant Daughtry with you here. Appreciate all of our callers today. Had a rush there at the end, so did not have time to get to best and worst of the weekend. We might uh, partake in that tomorrow, or I might just make a special segment to rail on what I wanted to rail on. At some <laughs> point this week, we'll see. Uh, we do have a uh, shortened amount of shows, or not shortened amount of shows, but shortened shows throughout the week. Again, tomorrow, Beauregard High School Baseball at 4.30. We might have a surprise color analyst for that game. We'll leave it on the download. But, uh, again, uh, we will end about 4.15 or 4.20 tomorrow. So, again, uh, we'll have to have, make it short and sweet on tomorrow's show. And all the shows this week will be a little bit shorter. Just a moment or so left in this one, however. Time for Nightly TV Guide. Our show is about to end. But we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. 645 Bally Sports Southeast. You can hear Chip Carey call the St. Louis Cardinals game versus the Atlanta Braves. Uh, No, he won't be on Bally Sports uh, Southeast. But, of course, Atlanta Braves, St. Louis Cardinals, 645. uh, Brandon Godden on the call. But Chip Carey, of course, now with the Cardinals. Uh, men's college basketball, the national title game is tonight, 8 o'clock CBS, San Diego State versus UConn. For what's worth, I think UConn will win. I'll pick them by 12, just pick a number. Uh, That'd be other, their closest game in the tournament. Uh, it would be, I guess. Uh, and then also, uh, movie picks for you tonight, Hotel Transylvania, 6 o'clock on Nickelodeon. Easier for you to say. Avengers Age of Ultron, 7 o'clock, uh, Transylvania, if you prefer. Uh, Age uh, Avengers Age of Ultron seven o'clock on TNT and the day after tomorrow nine thirty on I don't know what channel that is P A R Paramount 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 we did it as soon as I said it out loud there we go and that is Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer fun show today uh, appreciate Kevin Ives uh, for joining us Tom thank you for being here absolutely we will see you on Wednesday yep. And then Brant Dontry, thank you for being here today. We'll see you again tomorrow. Thank you for having me. And again, shout out to Kevin Ives for joining us. Uh, he is playing in park, parking lot at AUPPL on Twitter. And we thank all those who tuned in and called in today as well. For Tom Peavy and Brant Dontry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Enjoy the national title game tonight, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.